Today we conclude our series on the Menendez brothers. We'll take a look at the brothers' relationship with their CD therapist, the ongoing LAPD investigation, and the brothers' eventual arrest. And finally, we'll detail the saga of not one, but two trials and discuss current updates on this monumental case. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. Alas, all good things must come to an end. So stick around, and as I often say to my wiener when I'm in a $10 whorehouse, let's wrap this up. This is Necronomopod. One thing that we have asked the judge to do is to limit the so-called abuse excuse, to limit evidence that has nothing to do with this case, limit evidence going back years and years, because the defendants themselves say that they did not kill their parents because they were abused. What they said was that they killed their parents because they were in fear of their parents. The prosecutor is wrong. The brothers were afraid at the time they shot their parents, and they were afraid because they had been threatened with death by these people and had been abused by them their entire lives. And abuse is only the issue insofar as it explains why they were uh, actually afraid of them. All right, part three. We've got a ton of stuff to get to. It's a big story. I say we just dive right back in. Yeah, no part four for this no one. No part four? Mm-mm. You know what that means. We're going to rub this one all out in, in one go. <laughs> and also, we're going to talk about you know what tonight. Oh, the toupee. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm salivating over there. You're not toupee. <laughs> the answer is yes. Where we left off on part two, Eric had confessed to the murder of Jose and Kitty. He confessed to his therapist, Dr. Jerome Ozeal, who suggested that Lyle come to his office before Eric talked any further. While Lyle rushed to Ozeal's office, Eric just kept talking. He told Ozeal how he and Lyle brutally killed their parents and how they planned everything out. We also said in part one that everyone has their own versions of how all of this with Ozeal went down. Everyone agrees that Eric confessed. It's just how everything else afterwards played out, which one of those things we ended on last week was Ozeal's mistress, Judalon Smith, standing outside listening in on all of this. It's an interesting name, Judalon. I was thinking the same thing. Never heard that one before. Mm -mm. And her last name is spelled Smith. S-M-Y-T-H. It's not Smythe, huh? Smith. Mm-hmm. Smith. All right. You fan of Judalon, Mike? You're, you're a name connoisseur. I don't love it. No, I don't either. So, I mean, it was just Judy for short. Jude. Jude. Yeah. No, thanks. Sing Hey Jude to her at the sexy time. I'd get drunk and do that. <laughs> not going to even lie about that fact. <laughs> at the time, Judalon was 37 years old, and she was one of Ozeal's patients who quickly turned into his mistress. Their sessions eventually turned into more or less meetings just to hook up. She said that Ozeal told her to listen in on the conversation when Lyle got to the office. Ozeal says that he never told her to do that, but for now we're just going to continue with Ozeal's version of events. Mm. That would get your medical license revoked probably, right? Yeah, a lot of stuff he does. (laughs) Bit of an ethics complaint, I would think, if that was true. Let's keep a tally. That's number one. Ding! When you're trying to better someone's mental health you should probably not yeah start an affair with them or have them listen to future patients yeah oh we had two then <laughs> ding ding <laughs> we're two paragraphs in <laughs> he is one for one that's right ozeal is one for one in these paragraphs 
What about Ozeal? Or I'm sorry, like two for two. Two paragraphs. You like Ozeal? Is that a good name? Would you name your son Ozeal? I mean, it's his last name, right? Yeah, Jerome oh, Ozeal. That's yeah. right. Never mind. So no. Well, I don't know. Ozeal's not bad. That's what I was thinking. Call him O. Call him the Big O. Big O. <laughs> no. We'll put a pin in that one. He's ruined it for me though, because it's the first time I've heard <laughs> okay. it. And he's kind of a piece of shit, so I'm not sure I can get past it. <laughs> According to Ozeal, Lyle burst into the room, furious that Eric had confessed. Ozeal says that he kept things cool and wanted to talk the brothers through everything as a therapist. Ozeal explained to them that what they did was the behavior of a sociopath, to which the brothers looked at each other and then looked back at Ozeal and were like, yeah, we already knew this. We are sociopaths. Seems a little Hollywood movie Sure does. But that's what Ozeal says happened. At that point, Lyle threatened Ozeal that he would kill him if he went to the police. California is pretty strict on the patient confidentiality laws, which we'll talk about later in the trial, but Ozeal told Lyle that he couldn't report them to the police, so he had nothing to worry about. Lyle abruptly said that the session was over and told Eric that they were leaving. Ozeal followed them to the elevator where he was begging Lyle to stay and they could figure everything out. Lyle shook Ozeal's hand made eye contact with him and said, quote, good luck, Ozeal. And then after that, Ozeal rushed back up to his office and locked all of the doors. I would do. Do you think he said it like, oh, best of luck, Ozeal? Or do you think he looked at me and I was like, good luck, Ozeal? I think the, the latter. Mm. Yeah. Just clarifying. You never know. <laughs> Just reading words on a page. Hey, Ozeal, best of luck with everything. Now, <laughs> me and Eric, we're just going to go out and live our lives now. Take care. Like, you know, maybe, maybe he did like the knife under the throat type thing, like sure. Undertaker style. I was like, good luck, Ozeal. That point, like that. point that the old threatening. gun at him, like yeah. click clack, motherfucker. <laughs> click clack. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Michael Scott. Michael Scott. Snap, 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 snap. <laughs> Ozeal says that he then called his wife, telling her, that they were in danger. He told her to leave the house and stay somewhere else for a few days. Then he called Dr. Jeff Lulo, who was his boss, to get some advice on what to do. Lulo told Ozeal to warn anyone who might be in danger and to write everything down that was confessed. He suggested putting it in a safety deposit box and giving the key to a lawyer or someone he trusted. They should give it to the police if anything bad happened, kind of like as a kill switch type thing. Mm -hmm. And to also think about hiring a bodyguard and getting his family out of town. It's great advice from your boss. Sure. Ozeal says that Judalon wasn't here for any of this stuff, that she wasn't even at his office. He's like, Judalon never heard of her. I've certainly <laughs> never had sex with her. Yeah, he's pulling like a Bill Clinton on that. <laughs> Depends what your definition of in the office is, I guess. <laughs> She was in the office, but she wasn't in the office. Thank you for cleaning that up, Mr. President. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> I was in her pussy, but I wasn't in her pussy while I was what? in the office. Mr. President, nobody even asked you about that. Oh, you, sorry. you don't have to answer those questions. I tend to over-talk over sometimes. Judalon says that she was there, and while Ozeal was talking to his boss, getting this advice, she was looking up numbers for a bodyguard. Ozeal then started calling other people. He was calling some lawyers, other psychologists. He even called the police station, like giving an anonymous tip about a made-up situation that was similar to his. Like, <laughs> what should I do? Um, 
Hypothetically, (laughs) if somebody was a psychologist and they were told about a double murder... If the Melendez brothers <laughs> killed their parents and confessed it. No, no, not the, Ma- the if, Melendez. If Kyle and Derek Melendez <laughs> confessed to me that they killed their parents and then threatened me, hypothetically, one, what might one do? This is all rumor and innuendo and hypothetical. <laughs> Oh, what were the parents' names? Uh, Lucy and Ricky. <laughs> yeah, you don't know them. This is not Dr. Ozeal, by the way. <laughs> Judalyn never heard of her. While he's making all these calls, Judalyn said that she was helping him relax, like rubbing his shoulders and stuff. Uh, joke's on him. That ain't how you relax, boy. <laughs> Gotta rub something else. And yeah... Ozeal says that she wasn't there for any of this stuff. Um, He says that he went to her house later on to tell her that being with him in this affair was too risky now that this confession had been made and warned her to not lead the brothers to his house. But Julan said that they, after the office, they went to Ozeal's house together to get a suitcase that his wife had left for him. Also, both Lyle and Eric said Judalon was there that night, so Ozeal is completely full of shit on that. Ozeal also suggested that Judalon move in with him and his wife, Laurel, as That's well. That's ballsy. As well as Ozeal's yeah, how do you kids. Work that? Yeah, so that, this is real. This is like everybody is on board with this that, you know, he says he came afterwards. Judalon Sounds said, like he came with his wife in the house. <laughs> but Judalon says she was there for it when, you know, this was asked. But yeah, Ozeal's wife, his two daughters, Judalon moved in. There were questions, too, like uh, his wife, Laurel, was publicly asked, and she said, we're not in an open relationship. She's like, why do you keep asking me that? (laughs) What's going on? He is. She's not. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Something else was opening. (laughs) I didn't even know the the president flew in for today's episode. He's just hanging around. He likes these kind of salacious stories <laughs> it's right up his alley what we never really discussed this before but we do have um president bill clinton's private email address and ian always sends him a copy of the notes he likes to review <laughs> yeah, and look him know. over he sends us back some jokes of his own sometimes and uh every now and then something uh something titillates him just enough that he's got to come in and yeah. visit us it's a big bubba at askjeeves.com <laughs> 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 that that's his it's a newer one he used to be like cigar lover 69 right. <laughs> at hotmail <laughs> on november 17th detectives interviewed craig signorelli who was a friend of eric's that was the one that they wrote the screenplay together about a rich kid killing his parents to get an inheritance hmm. <laughs> yeah i've heard that story <laughs> <laughs> Craig talked about a conversation he had with Eric after the night of the murders at the Menendez mansion. Eric hinted to Craig about knowing what happened that night, which Craig thought meant the murders. Eric told him that he and Lyle went back home that night to get Eric's fake ID. When Eric was leaving with the ID, Lyle came in with the shotguns and said, let's do it. Eric told Craig that their plan was for Lyle to shoot Jose and for Eric to shoot Kitty. Eric said that in the family room, 
Lyle shot Jose and then shot him again in the back of the head. Eric couldn't shoot his mom, and when she tried to run away, Lyle shot her. Eric said that he thought his mom was dead, and to make Lyle happy, shot her twice. But Craig wasn't sure if Eric's story was true. Craig told police that Eric liked to fuck around and would say things like, well, that could have happened, like, be serious right up to the point, and then be like, I'm just fucking around. Yeah. Could have done it if I wanted to. Yeah. The police took this to the district attorney in Los Angeles County who was handling the case. She thought that the information was good, but it wasn't enough to charge Eric and Lyle. Another lawyer suggested that Craig wear a mic and get Eric talking on tape about the murders. On November 29th, Craig and Eric met for dinner at Gladstone's Four Fish restaurant. At this meeting, Eric said that he made the whole story up and then he and Lyle didn't kill their parents. And that was it. There, nothing further went with this. <laughs> I was only joking. Mm. Mm, well, just kidding. Gladstones for fish, huh? Mm. Sounds okay, I guess. I didn't know Joey Gladstone opened up a uh, fish <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> See, Dave, some of us can make old-timey uh, TV jokes, too. Who's Joey Gladstone? From Full House. <laughs> Dave Coulier oh, from Full House. Is that his character? Yeah. No, I didn't even know that. <laughs> I know. See? It's not fun to be left out on TV show jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have the Full House theme queued up? <laughs> no, I would have. I did not know that name. Uh, that was it. Was Joey Gladstone, right? Yeah, yeah it was Joey. Danny Tanner and um, Jesse. Um, <clears throat> oh, what was Jesse's last name? I don't know. Chastain. No, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse and the Rippers was his band. Mm. Oh, I'll think of it. Dave Coulier was the one that Al- Alanis Morissette was sucking up in the theater, right? Yeah, and yeah. then she wrote the song about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was he really a comic too? <laughs> like before yeah. acting? Good for you, Coulier. <laughs> well, I started thinking about Dave Coulier and I was like, was he really? Because I know he liked hockey. They incorporated that into Full House a lot. Yeah. Was he really a stand up comic too? Yeah. Like, is that so, how we met Bob Saget probably? Or I think he did stand up. Mm. Probably not very funny stand up, but very like mm. PG, like yeah. G rated. <laughs> yeah. Because they did that on the show. Like, he had his own show on Full House yeah, with, fucking the, woodchuck. with the Woodchuck. Yeah. Mm. He did voices and. All right. I'm going to look up this uh, Jesse Kostopoulos. Mm. Oh, yeah, he was Greek. That's yeah. right. Wasn't Chastain? <laughs> <Are> you sure? <laughs> it's not. Kimmy Gibbler. Yeah. The obnoxious neighbor. All right. Anyways, that's enough. <laughs> no more free plugs for Fuller House available now on Netflix. <laughs> For the rest of 1989 and the beginning of 1990, the police were at a standstill with the case. They had no physical evidence tying the brothers to the murders, and they didn't even have murder weapons. All they had was kind of word of mouth stuff that was going around, and they were suspicious about how much money the brothers had been spending, which we said last week. It was like a lot over a million dollars within a couple months. Then on March 5th, 1990, Judalon Smith walked into the police station and dropped a bomb on everybody. If Eric would have just shut the fuck up, they would have gotten <laughs> away with this. Mm. <laughs> Jeez. It's like a companion company for shut your blind, shut shut your mouth. Oh, <laughs> uh, hello? Shut your, shut your mouth.com. Um, I, I slaughtered my parents and the, the police are asking me questions about it. What should I do? So we're trying to keep people safe. But then for the people who leave their blinds open, That's if right. you did go in and kill and m- murder them, 
shutyourmouth.com. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> we Shut help both mouth. sides yeah. of the aisle. Yeah. Shut do you think they would have gotten away with it or do you think the police would have eventually found something? Because that's interesting. Hmm. They didn't I'm have a murder sure. weapon. They didn't have much. They didn't have. They had that girl that saw a car pull up, but she couldn't identify anybody. Yeah. Right. Remember, was it last week we talked about that yeah, girl that was waiting know. for a date? Well, we'll get into more evidence later. We'll see. But we'll I just mean reassess. the evidence kind of comes after they arrest them. Right. Like, I think a lot of it. Yeah. So that's interesting to think about. Did mm-hmm. if he would have shut up? Is this one of those just unsolved cases? I think it's potentially that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing was that misstep where they didn't test the brother's hands for shotgun residue. If yeah. they did that, case is over. Yeah, it, sure. If Eric would have shut up. Certainly admitting to a crime does not go well in helping you get away with committing thus crime, that, that crime. Uh, no, it's not, <laughs> not the appropriate almost zero course percent, of action to get away with Almost 0% uh, success rate. Of getting off on it when you admit to it. Well, they were just dummies. If they would have, you know, faked some grieving period and not been out spending money and doing this and doing that and just not said anything, that would have helped I think a it's lot. Quite likely, they would have got away with it. Yeah. Although the story's not over yet, maybe they do get away with it. <laughs> what do you say about that? <laughs> Judalon never stopped threatening to tell the police about Lyle and Eric's confession. So during her time living in the house with. The Ozeal family. Julan said that Ozeal raped her, beat her, and force fed her drugs. She also claimed that he attempted to brainwash her using the word thorns as a trigger word. Judalon started to secretly record conversations with Ozeal before escaping the house in March of 1990, which she says the words escaping. And I kind of think she was because Ozeal was doing therapy sessions with her at the house and stuff is really weird. And from the lawsuits that she later filed against Ozeal, one of the tapes had Ozeal saying the word thorn a weird number of times, like out of place. Hmm. So is he threatening her to stay quiet to just protect himself and all of his other wrongdoings and illegal behavior type things? And I think so. Yeah. And, and he was also getting a little bit of that, uh, trial of the century fame you know seeing it in the future like he was talking about how they were going to be like stars whatever Mm. when all this came out but i I guess if she goes to the police to tell what she knows it starts unraveling when they talk to her and eventually it leads to him having all these ethics violations and all this stuff that's what i mean it must be that that scares him because on the other hand he can be like well let her be the one that goes and rats the police then I'm the one that's got all the information and I'm going to be a huge star. Yeah. So it must be about all the other wrongdoings. I think you lose your livelihood because there's no reasonable explanation for how she would have, you know, be privy to these conversations with them. Well, he could play it off like, oh, she was sneaking around listening in on my conversations. Uh, I suppose. And then this way he can always cover his ass and be like, look, she's the one who leaked it. I didn't leak it. I kept it private. Like I said, it's this girl. You should kill her. Don't kill me, Lyle. Don't kill me. Kill Judy. <laughs> I called shutyourmouth.com and they told me don't say a word, so I didn't. <laughs> Hello, shut your mouth. This is Kyle Melen- Melendez. <laughs> this is definitely not Lyle Menendez. This is Kyle Melendez. 
I got a real problem here. Derek won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm going to put him on the phone now. Can you give him some advice? <laughs> shut your mouth. Yeah, hey, pal, shut your mouth. <laughs> That'll be $50. <laughs> oh, they can afford it. 500 It's true. Well, we don't know. The Melendez brothers can't afford oh, anything. That's true. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're using ten percent off first call uh, coupon. <laughs> it's only forty-five. <laughs> Judelon told the police all about how the brothers confessed to killing their parents. Everything we've talked about. She also told police that Ozil still had the brothers coming in for therapy sessions, and that he had been recording tapes of all of that. So police immediately. Like, well, we need to go get a warrant for yeah. Ozeal's house. Two days later, on March 7th, Lyle and two of his friends took a flight from Newark, New Jersey, to Los Angeles. Lyle was going to L.A. to look for the $40,000 Eric had given to a concert promoter. Remember last week we talked about how Eric got ripped off. He tried to get into some business and <laughs> dude just took right. off with his money. <laughs> Don't you think after Lyle caught Eric shooting his mouth off, he'd be keeping better tabs on him and wouldn't be across the country? Like, you know he's a loose cannon. He's shooting his mouth off. You Wouldn't you want to put him at home and keep him under lock and key? And, and not even a weird. Yeah. Like, he's genuinely having a, an actual issue with what they did. We'll talk about it in these tapes. Yeah, he's unraveling. Yeah, in these yeah. tapes, he's like crying in the background. Like I feel like Eric never stops crying <laughs> after this happened. Constantly upset. Yeah, and Lyle's like fucking across the country in New Jersey with his stupid restaurant. It's yeah. his dream. It was his dream, damn it. <laughs> his first dream should be keeping out of prison, so he should be back there with hmm. Eric. Yeah, it's weird that he just he's like, all right, stop it. Yeah, I'm going across catch, the country. Catch you later. Yeah. yeah Don't like, talk to anyone else, dummy. <laughs> Doing the old Jim Carrey. Well, see you later. <laughs> Stops on a plane. <laughs> During that flight, he called Mr. Buffalo's, which was his restaurant, and found out that detectives had just came in an hour after he left for the airport. Lyle's friend, Glenn Stevens, who was sitting next to Lyle, said that when Lyle heard the detectives had been there, he gave Glenn $1,400 and a business card of lawyer Gerald Shalef. Lyle told him to use the money to bail him out if he was arrested. He also said that Shalef and his therapist, Dr. Ozeal, knew the whole story. $1,400 bail money, huh? Okay. Yeah. That sounds about right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck's he thinking? These guys are idiots. <laughs> they don't have a real grasp on reality, no, though, right? None. Like they, they've. We've talked about it with all the rich people we talk. They live yes. in their own little bubble. They don't know how the world works. $1,400? Hmm. It's not disorderly conduct, you <laughs> fucking douchebag. You <laughs> slaughtered your parents. When I also read that initially, before I got to like the next sentence, I was like, oh, that and his lawyer's business card. So that'll cover the call to his attorney. That's exactly what right. he's giving yeah. it for. I was like, oh, no, that's for bail money. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and he was employing all these friends of his at, at Mr. Buffalo's. Like they all like had fucking. They all like, moved to New Jersey to fucking work at the store. Well, these were friends that he had while he was in Princeton. Oh, over there. Still. Going to college. So they graduated from Princeton and then just got jobs at a restaurant? I'm guessing they didn't graduate mm. from Princeton. <laughs> you think they all got failed, kicked out, Dave? Well, you know. Dave, they're legacies. Well, legacies. Not the brightest. That's probably. worth a 3.0 right there. Then you just build on top of that. <laughs> Mr. Buffalo's is the dumbest name I've ever heard. It was awful. I'm assuming those are all shut down now. 
Yeah. I would go to a Mr. Mr. Buffalo, Buffalo to try it. It sounds terrible. <laughs> Hello, I'm Mr. Buffalo. What it's, would you like today? It just sounds like a shitty chain wing spot. Awful. Just awful. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of screaming kids at a Mr. Buffalo's. You think so? Yes. I don't know why. Could it, it not be comparable like to like in my mind though? It's it's probably like a Buffalo Wild Wings type, right? Except it's just one store that was really popular, right? We talked about last week and had a good reputation. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to change this name to something shitty and make it a chain. And make and change the whole menu, right? Like he re, redid the whole place. Yeah, he pretty much like... Well, other building. than like the chicken wings though, right? It was not the whole... He kept the chicken wings and just fucking got rid of everything else. Yeah. But like, like all these friends of his had whatever made up positions within yeah. the company. Like, yeah, shit. that's a good idea, Lyle. Mr. <laughs> Buffalo's. That's well, a winner. I love that you can tell how much pieces of shit we are and about food that this is... We are almost as angry about Mr. Buffalo's as we are about the murder of their parents. <laughs> like we're fucking hot about this. Like, who the fuck do you think you are taking a credible restaurant and changing it to some piece of shit chain? Fuck you, Lyle. Fuck you. Now I'm mad at you. This is the worst thing you ever did. <laughs> See? Like that's uh, says more about us than I think it does about Lyle. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Later that day, Lyle and his friends went to the Cheesecake Factory for lunch, which was the same Cheesecake Factory that they went to on the night of the murders. Jesus, and are there any restaurants in L.A.? Yeah, like, like, that shit not a good bar? McDonald's something? or something better than Cheesecake Factory? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Was this... Was Cheesecake Factory, like, new back then, and then it was, like, the hot spot to go to? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's just so weird. Like, they seem to very much care about their image and their appearance, and you're fucking going to the Cheesecake Factory. Maybe it was. Maybe it was high-end cuisine back then. You just want to go to Happy Hour tomorrow at Applebee's? <laughs> Is that that hot new place in town you yeah. were telling us about? Boneless wings on me, guys. <laughs> on me. <laughs> Police were ready to go. They had an arrest warrant for Lyle and Eric, and they were watching him from the minute he landed in L.A. As they drove away from the mansion... For the Cheesecake Factory, a police car with its lights on tried to block them in. Lau threw it in reverse, but hit a van that had blocked them from behind. Police quickly surrounded them, pulled them all out of the Jeep, handcuffed Lyle, and took him to West Hollywood Sheriff Station. Lau was booked there and then sent to Los Angeles County Jail. Almost got like an OJ-style police chase, huh? Mm-hmm. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Would he have taken off? For sure, you think if if they didn't have him kind of boxed in, high speed chase, he might have Lyle for sure. Yeah. Eric wouldn't have, but Lyle that toupee might. Oh, never mind. <laughs> we didn't get to that yet. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> no, Eric's like I'm across the world. Oh, you want me to come in? Okay, I'll come to you. <laughs> I like to book a room in your county jail, please. <laughs> Law enforcement then focused on Eric, who was in Israel for a tennis tournament. After finding out about Lyle's arrest, Eric called his uncle, Carlos Baralt. He told Eric to turn himself in, so Eric flew to Miami to meet his aunt, Marta Cano. Marta told police that she and Eric were flying to Los Angeles, and on March 11, 1990, detectives met Eric and Marta at the Los Angeles airport, where they arrested Eric and took him to the same jail as Lyle. They were charged with first-degree murder, and the DA's office said that they were going to be seeking the death penalty. Why wasn't Eric flying to a non-extradition country? 
because mm-hmm. he called turnyourselfin.com his fucking <laughs> Uncle Carlos, who was like, turn yourself in. He didn't call, what is it, shutyourmouth.com, shutyourmouth.com, where he would have been told to fly somewhere fucking safe. No extradition to us.com. And if we're telling you to fly somewhere else, that's at least triple the price. Oh, yeah. 150 bucks. Yeah. Venmo, please. I don't remember the quote exactly, but their uncle, Carlos, said something along the lines like, Eric would follow Lyle into hell, even if it meant Eric had to leave heaven Mm. to do it. All right. That he wasn't going to just let Lyle be arrested by himself. Is it that he was manipulated so much by Lyle or did he just genuinely worship his big brother? I think he just genuinely worshiped him. Hmm. Tell that shocking toupee part. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't know the toupee story. And in our notes, Ian just has a little parenthesis that says talk about the toupee. (laughs) So I have no fucking idea where this is going. I really don't. I am going to learn as we talk about it on the show. Hopefully it's not a letdown, but to me, it's, We've built it's it one up. of the craziest things <laughs> of the whole story. Three <laughs> weeks now. It's In my head, I picture uh, David Spade and Tommy Boy. <laughs> okay, that's going to be good. I'm going to have to pull that up now when we're talking just to get a, get ready. Detectives still didn't have any physical proof connecting the brothers to the murder, and we're still looking for the shop where the guns were bought. They found out from Judalon Smith that Eric had thrown the guns into a canyon near Mahalan Drive. Which they wouldn't have known if he would have shut his mouth. Like we we're talking about physical evidence. They did not. Yeah. And they that, didn't know any of that. That is true because they yeah. pulled off on the side of the road at Mahalan Drive and threw up. Eric threw up everywhere. Then he threw the gun. So well, I think we, we talked about that last week, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a true detail, which... That further goes to show that Dr. Ozeal is full of shit. Like, how did Judalon Smith know these specifics if he never told her about any of this stuff? Yeah. Judalon also said that the guns were bought in San Diego near a place that Lyle knew from tennis tournaments. The detectives got a list of gun shops in San Diego and started checking them out. On March 14th, detectives visited the Big Five store. They found records of two Mossberg shotguns being bought for $200 each on August 18th, 1989. The purchase form was signed by Donovan J. Gaudreau with a San Diego address. Detectives contacted Donovan and asked him where he was on August 18th, 1989. Donovan, at this point, he was managing a restaurant in New York City, and he was able to confirm that he worked there and provided his clock and timesheet for that day remember he's lyle's friend from um from princeton yeah the one they kicked out of the apartment right and he had left his wallet and id behind right Yeah, and he said Mm. fuck it i'll just get i'll get a new one um (laughs) so he went out to new york city and became you know pretty successful working in restaurants and lyle just kind of slipped out of his mind like a bad memory Mm mm-hmm so the address on the gun form was fake, but the driver's license but the driver's license number matched Donovan's. When shown a form, Donovan said the signature didn't look like his at all. So the district attorney requested the court to get handwriting samples from Lyle and Eric. They wanted to compare their signatures with Donovan's and, and all that, which 
This became the first physical evidence linking the brothers to the murders because Lyle 100% signed as Donovan. I never understood it, though. If they made you provide a sample like that, wouldn't Lyle just write differently? If someone asked me and they were trying to match my handwriting, but they probably, I would, maybe they didn't know what they were matching it to. And when he signed for the gun, maybe he was doing some kind of bullshit writing and they were able to see some consistencies. Mm. I don't think handwriting analysis is all that accurate. So, of course, Lyle and Eric could afford very expensive lawyers. Leslie Abramson represented Eric. I think she was just like right under a million dollars for this trial. That's good work if you can get it. Not bad. Not bad at all. She's known for being very aggressive in court, really goes to bat for her clients, and she's very against the death penalty. She's made a name for herself in taking death penalty cases. And a lot of times it's like a, you know, for sure the person's guilty. Like in this case, the brothers have already admitted to killing their parents. They said they did it. Um, A win for her is getting someone a life sentence versus a death penalty than getting them a death sentence. Yeah. Okay. You get Leslie Abramson on the Supreme Court. Victory for a lot of people. Just a Mike Namapod vote, but alas, I don't get a say in that matter. There's some really good supercuts of her during this trial, like arguing back with the judge. And hey, if you want a defense attorney, that's you want kind of that pit bull on your side, right? Fucking million dollars, you better be (laughs) John or the judge. It's true. Lau got Joe Lansing as his lawyer. She wasn't used to dealing in really big cases that are in the media like Leslie Abramson was, but she was a really successful defense lawyer. You know, it's another top lawyer, uh, me, President Bill Clinton. You are, sir. I like to be on top. (laughs) You like to prosecute the pussy. (laughs) Done it many times, Mike, many times. (laughs) Executive privilege, you know what I mean. Regarding the tapes that Dr. Ozeal made, Judge James Albrecht ruled that Lyle's threats to Ozeal broke the usual privacy rules between a patient and a therapist. He ordered that Ozeal's tapes be handed over to the prosecutors. There were three important tapes. Two had Ozeal's notes from the sessions on October 31st, November 2nd, and November 28th. And the third was from December 11th, recorded with permission from the brother's then lawyer, Gerald Shalaf where the brothers are heard on tape talking about the murders. Lyle's heard talking. Eric's in the background crying. Why would their attorney allow this? What the fuck? Hmm. It's interesting behind the scenes there where they're talking to the therapist and their attorneys allowing it and fuck's going on It's there? a really weird situation. Weird. Hmm. Did the brothers allow it thinking they could say something that would help them? Maybe? And kind point? of like a, like a CYA type thing. That's odd. The fuck you doing, Gerald? That's why you yeah. weren't representing them in the trial. You <laughs> fucking suck. <laughs> fucking goddamn yeah. right. <laughs> Step aside. Let the women take over. <laughs> oh, man. Gerald. Fucking kind of name is Gerald. Strip mall attorney, man. Huh. Is that $1,400? Uh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If Gerald's telling you that's what it's gonna, that's the amount it's gonna take to bail you out, (laughs) should have fucking fired him then. (laughs) Mm. Fuck you, Gerald. (laughs) I'm not even rooting for the brothers at this point. I just want Gerald to know, fuck you. You, You're probably not very good. 
I think it's appropriate, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a made-up name to me anyways. <laughs> the judge believed that uh, Dr. Ozeal had good reason to think that the brothers were dangerous, so it was okay to use their private talks. Leslie Abramson appealed to a higher court, which they changed the judge's decision. The case then went to the California Supreme Court. The higher court said that Dr. Ozeal wasn't really acting as a therapist in the last two sessions, but he was trying to protect himself, and those sessions weren't genuine therapy. When this court's decision was made public, it included parts of the tapes, which showed for the first time that the brothers had admitted to killing their parents. So it was a big shock to a lot of family members that had been supporting them this whole time. Something wrong here. (laughs) (laughs) One thing before we actually get into the trial starting, there were TV cameras allowed in on all of this. This is the first really big trial to be televised nationwide. It got court TV off the ground and going. What do you guys think about that? Televised trials. I The entertainment value I get, uh, but I think I don't think they're necessary. It's a public space with if pu- I was public a, activity taking place. I don't know. If I was a judge, though, I'd feel like, no, I, I want your cameras out of my courtroom. I feel like that would be my just decision, typically. It makes it more of a circus, and you're trying to take things seriously. I think that's right. Federal court doesn't allow yeah. cameras. I, I Supreme Court never has never allowed cameras. Don't get me wrong; it's just a, a everyday citizen. You'd like to see that stuff. You want if you're following it, the cases. You want that. You know, you want to keep up on it. But I, and it makes it more of kind of that that the circus type and drama and the media influence into the case. I think is higher. That's my thought. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's a good thing to see how the. A good thing and an interesting thing to see how the system works, how it plays out. I, I think things I taking place too. out in the open is usually a, a good thing. I don't know. I think people have a right to see what's going on. But it does create a circus and it makes celebrities out of well, that's true. Out of people. The, so. D, the DA is representing you as they're prosecuting that person. So I think you have a right to see what they're doing. To evaluate them. For the next election? No. As of right now, the Delphi murders trial, um, that's allowed to have a camera in there. I feel like that's going to get out of hand. People stop asking us to do it. (laughs) We didn't do it years ago. And now look it. It's back. It's shit's progressing. We'll cover it when that shit's finished. But we will cover it at some point. We might. That's been one that people, since we started this show, that has been requested. And again, like I always tell people, you can't do every big topic in the first six months. Fucking blow your load on everything. We try to space out the big shows. It's taken us five years to do the, you know, Menendez, Melendez brother, excuse me, Jake and Kyle. (laughs) Jake and Kyle. From (laughs) shutyourmouth.com. So, but then sometimes you wait. Well, like you said, Ian, if we would have covered this case four years ago, your opinions might have been different. Yeah, for sure. Which we'll get to here in a bit, but my opinions change every day depending on uh, how I feel. So, uh, my opinions change by the hour <laughs> because I'm a fucking moody ass person, and it just was what happens. But then, what's funny is then you say something on the show, and it's it's used against you. Then 
That's right. Forever. Like, that's right. Well, four years ago, you said this. And I'm like, yeah, because in that minute, that's how I fucking yeah. felt. I was hungry. I needed yeah. a Snickers. I don't know what the yeah. fuck I was doing. I didn't eat dinner. Mm-hmm. I was nine Miller Lights and three shots of Crown Royal Deep. That's what I fucking said. <laughs> it's not what I actually, you know, it's not what I feel 20 minutes later. <laughs> what the fuck was that? What was that? Debut one? in my new Goofy clip. <laughs> Is that from that I'm scene? A, I'm not sure that's Goofy, pal. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't like that. Is that a lick too? I feel molested. I feel like that's you just molested our ears. That is not okay. <laughs> that is not okay. What the fuck was that? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> that. I think that's goofy. Uh, mm. <laughs> you sure about that? <laughs> that's that. <laughs> I feel dirty. I don't want. I don't like that one bit. That's the worst clip of all of those goofy clips. What was the one you played from the initial that Ian and I were like, "No, nah, man, I don't think that's goofy." It has a little bit of that, like, <laughs> yeah. That's the same fucking. That's the same guy. That's nope. Nope. That's so offensive. (laughs) On June 4th, 1992, the California Supreme Court held a hearing where Leslie Abramson said that only the tape parts with threats to Dr. Ozeal should be given to the prosecutors. The court decided that only one tape with notes from October 31st and November 2nd could be used by the prosecutors. This was because Dr. Ozeal felt threatened during those sessions. The court didn't allow the use of the November 28th and December 11th tapes because there wasn't enough proof of threats in those sessions. The December 11th tape is the one where Lyle is talking about the murders and Eric's crying in the background, which that's a huge loss for the prosecution. But this decision was the final one to be made to go ahead and start the trial. On May 14th, 1993, Judge Stanley Weisberg made a decision to have Lyle and Eric's trials happen together to save time, money, and make things easier. He noted that having separate trials would just mean repeating the same witnesses, same arguments, everything. Weisberg also decided that each brother would get their own jury. So when something was being talked about that only related to Lyle, Eric's jury had to leave, same thing would happen for Eric's part. The court needed 1,100 people for jury selection. In the end, they chose two groups, each with 12 main jurors and six backups. Lyle had seven men and five women with an average age of 42, and Eric's jury was made up of eight men, four women, averaging 46 years old. You probably want more women on your jury, right? Yeah, for this one. Yeah, I think so, too. Mm. That sounds right. Just like Casey Anthony with Jose Baez said he was looking for men in their 50s and 60s. <laughs> I mm. bet he was, yeah. Should have been looking for men in their 30s. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm selling my vote. Mm. Selling my vote. Mm. Let me see that thick, queen, juicy dumper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... S- Smells like not guilty in here. <laughs> what do you think? We wonder why some people hate us online. <laughs> I understand. I get it now. 
Dead kid? I don't know no dead kid. <laughs> Smells not guilty in here. Oh, boy. <laughs> From when the brothers were arrested until just before the trial started, Leslie Abramson and Jill Lansing didn't give away their plan for defending them. Then during a pretrial hearing, Leslie Abramson said that they would admit the brothers did kill their parents. Their defense plan was to show that Jose and Kitty, not Lyle and Eric, were to blame for why the murders happened. Leslie and Joe were going to say that the brothers, who looked like wealthy, successful athletes, possibly heading for pro tennis careers, were actually the lifelong victims of child abuse. Dun, dun, dun. Hot damn. And I think that, uh, speaking of Casey Anthony, I think Jose Baez might have taken a little note out of this playbook yeah to leslie abramson's like wait until like right before the trial and then drop that crazy defense yeah because jose Baez, right yeah jose Baez waited until that very day and was like oh guess what this is why this happened the prosecution's scrambling to explain mm-hmm. that and except like leslie actually had a plan and i don't think jose <laughs> Baez had a fucking plan at all no he just kind of did what she did and was like oh we'll see how this works yeah <laughs> I'm gonna fucking just take a shot in the dark. We'll see what happens. Worked, right? He was successful. They got blowjobs too from Casey Anthony. That's the rumor. I'm jealous. <laughs> the trial started on July 20th, 1993, with the prosecution's opening statement focusing on Lyle. Yokozuna was WWF champion at this time. Oh yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that time that, that timeline context. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Just so everyone knows, he had yeah. won it the month prior at King of the Ring in Dayton, Ohio, the Nutter Center from Hulk Hogan. <laughs> that was called the Nutter Center? Yeah. Dayton, Ohio, the crown jewel of Ohio. <laughs> certainly something <laughs> of Ohio. <laughs> that place. My grandma lived in Ohio. or in. Uh, oh, did she live in Ohio? <laughs> in Dayton. I used to go on there quite a bit. Never mm. been there. It's not the greatest place no. in the world. No. They detailed the viciousness of the murders and put forth their theory that we talked about last week with Jose sitting on the couch and Kitty laying on his lap watching the movie together. They also talked about Lyle's behavior after the murders, like hiring bodyguards, suggesting that this was like just like a made up way to, you know, that he fears for his safety of this mob hit. The prosecution repeatedly brought up the brothers' excessive spending after the murders which that's really the main piece of evidence to prove a motive for it. It really is. I agree. Yeah. Like because I said earlier, if they was laid low and acted like grieving sons and not been out there doing all this stuff, dumb. It's just dumb. Because they say the motive is Jose said he was going to write them out of the will. Yeah. Kill Jose. So that makes sense. Get $14 million. Yeah. When you're out spending and buying restaurants and employing your friends sure one of the more interesting tidbits about the spending is that uh mark jackson's from the Knicks 8990 trading card has the menendez brothers yes i've in, seen in that. the front row at madison square garden <laughs> so they were buying courtside Knicks tickets with uh their inheritance i uh, knowing nothing about the case coming into this I but I've always seen that picture and like oh the Menendez yeah. brothers they were you know they had killed their parents at yeah. this point and here they are to a fucking Knicks game. <laughs> mm. They were really living the high life. Yeah. And then like I think we talked about it in part one. Didn't movie the cable guy kind of hint at this trial? There was like a trial going on in the background. Yeah. Like on, that's why he wanted like his cable TV and stuff. And it 
it wasn't specifically the Menendez brothers, but Ben Stiller was playing like twins. <laughs> yeah, and they, they were wearing the sweaters. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, like it, it was it was kayfabe them. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing about this trial too. Is by the time we get to trial, they're in their twenties. Mm-hmm. So the the whole sexual abuse thing, Leslie Abramson and Joe Lansing wanted to portray them as boys. So yeah, they they called yeah. them boys. They yeah. never called them. Rarely called them the brothers. Even it was always boys. The boys. And they had sweaters on, like little. Like those pastel color yeah. sweaters. It's always sweaters. Like, isn't that like, we joked about it before? But that's the same thing with Casey Anthony. Like, they try to dress her as like the conservative mom. A lot of like white the sweater and the white and like, yeah. oh, this poor you know, PTA mom just lost her child and she's very upset. And it's all about perception. It's always this fucking sweaters. Why a sweater? I feel like not. If I see a sweater on someone, I don't trust you. People who wear sweaters don't kill people. It's just a proven mm-hmm. fact. I would kill someone with as itchy as they are. <laughs> I might be prone to killing someone. Very itchy. Not a big sweater guy. Do we know that? Give me a hoodie. Yeah. A nice sweatshirt. You're a cool guy. You know, um, sweater. You're cool guy nerd. Mike. Cool guy Mike wears uh, hoodies. You know, <laughs> fucking nerd. What do you think? I sit at home and read books. <laughs> fucking nerd. Ooh, my turtleneck sweater. Ooh, I'm going to read a book. I'm going to drink a, a cup of tea while I read a book. <laughs> Nerd, <laughs> fucking kick your ass on the playground. <laughs> what a bully! <laughs> I'm the nerd. <laughs> well, I think everyone understands. I that. hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing with this trial was the fact that it was televised, so everybody had their opinions on the outside, like. You know, in the public, like there's a famous picture of Eric smiling as they're walking into court and it shows us like you see it and you're like, oh, he really does look fucking smug. Like he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. What he says is that Leslie made it part of that circus, though, that I talked Mm -hmm. about before. Like, I I don't think that helps a case. And what he says is that Leslie made a joke to him trying to like ease the tension and make him feel better as they were walking in. So he smiled. But then. The later that day on every tabloid and everything, it was a picture of him smiling, saying that he's heartless. Yeah, yeah. and if her what could have been true, maybe she did make a joke. Maybe, but now that's the person. I mean, the perception already is probably that the in the public eye, they're probably already guilty. Nobody, and now you're seeing this. Nobody likes a spoiled rich kid, right? And the sweaters just it had maybe it worked in the courtroom, but on the outside, it had a whole different. Because you've never seen them in those sweaters before, right? Like it was a little bit off. And it just looks weird calling them boys when they're in their 20s and they're dressed up in sweaters. Like Saturday Night Live picked up on it. That's right. (laughs) In her opening statement, Joe Lansing admitted that Lyle and Eric had killed their parents. She described the murders as coming from fear, saying that the parents were very abusive which pushed the sons to act desperate and irrational. Initially, she didn't give all the details of the abuse, but instead talked about the brothers' rich lifestyle with their fancy cars, their tennis lessons, all the expensive trips. She wanted to show that the murders weren't about the money, that it was because of this lifelong abuse. The brothers didn't care about money. They had this large you know, credit line that they could use whenever they wanted. She said that the brothers were scared for their lives after talking 
to Jose about the abuse. Lansing said that Eric had told Lyle that he was abused by Jose for many years, and Lyle had similar experiences. When Lyle confronted Jose, he was threatened, leading them to buy the shotguns in San Diego. Joe Lansing also said that the brothers didn't talk about the abuse until months after being arrested because they were so ashamed, adding that Lyle would testify in court about the abuse, which that's a big big bombshell in your opening statement, saying <laughs> that your defendant's going to testify. Prosecution wasn't expecting that. Hmm. Leslie Abramson then made her opening statement for Eric and made similar points that Joe Lansing did. Leslie told the jury that Lyle acted to protect Eric, who she saw as the main victim in this family. She recognized people might doubt Eric's abuse story, especially since he only talked about it after being in jail. Leslie then talked about how Eric was groomed for sexual abuse by Jose and describing very graphic acts Eric said that were done to him, which that's what I think is a little, another thing that um, Jose Baez took from Le- Leslie Abramson. She was very graphic and it's uncomfortable and he was super graphic and very uncomfortable with yeah, the Casey yeah. Anthony stuff. But it's a smart move, right? Sure it is. Put that in mm-hmm. people's heads. Oh, yeah. And then now you're walking away from like your TV set or your newspaper thinking, wow, I can't believe he had to endure that. Sure. And all of a sudden now he's a victim. Mm-hmm. Flip the script. Mm. So they say. Yes, they do. I've heard that, I've heard that street <laughs> lingo before. <laughs> Tough talk. Leslie also gave the story about what led up to the murders. Like what was finally the straw that broke the camel's back? This was a big fight between Kitty and Lyle that happened a week before the murders. How it's told is that they were in a fight going back and forth, screaming at each other. Kitty reaches up and Eric's watching. Nobody knows that Eric was there, but he's off like in the hallway off the side. No one knows that he's there. Kitty reaches up and just rips Lyle's hair off. And, <laughs> and Eric is like, what the fuck? Like my whole brother's scalp just came off. <laughs> this is not at all what I expected this to be. He's like, what the fuck? Lyle had been balding since he was like 14, like 13, 14 years old. And Jose was like, you will never be successful in life if you're balding. Well, that's not nice. <laughs> so you what? have to go get this this hair system. So Eric. <laughs> this, is, this is, that was, this is not a work. I, that was not at all what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> is it true that he had been balding? Yes, this is 100% true. Everything I'm saying right yeah. now. Oh. This that was not what I was expecting at all. Holy shit. As you would say, Mike, he was pretty, pretty, pretty bald. <laughs> and Jose had been gearing towards a career in politics after live entertainment. Hmm. He also wanted that for Lyle, too. How old? And Lyle was how old? Like at 13, this, 14. Or at this point in the story? Like, say the fight, the fight. Um, roughly a week before the murder. So he's in 21 years old. He's bald. Yeah. Bald. 21, 22. I don't know. Something. 
but but early twenties. Yeah, that's that's all I didn't know. Mm. Holy fuck! Yeah, he had like <laughs> like I picture Eric's face. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you scalped him! You scalped him, mom! And I'm assuming Jose's paying for the best to pay. Oh yeah, this was like an eight thousand dollar thing at the time. It was like like really glued on there and looked. His super toupee real. costs more than the carpeting in my entire house. <laughs> But so this was a Holy this was a fuck. this was a huge family secret in in Jose's Fair home. loss. Well, Jose said you you will never be successful. You need a full head of hair to be successful in life. It's all about appearances. So this was like the family secret. And Kitty, how I was told, is she was all drunk and fucked up, and they were fighting, and it she's ripped it off to it, it, humiliate it had, him. Yeah, I mean, it had gotten progressively worse we talked about how she bought guns so something yeah. was happening something was definitely happening but yeah just one grabbed his hair and just pulled it off like which it's very you know there's a procedure to put it on like really yeah. expensive thing and it like ripped off oh. a bunch of his skin and shit oh ouch so eric is That's just like up. dumbfounded like he He's like, you just ripped his fucking head off like the top of his head off. You just scalped my brother, you fucking bitch. No wonder they killed her. Holy shit. So then they go outside and <clears throat> Eric is telling Lyle that, you know. Like I'm a I, bald man. Yeah, Eric. and it's like coming to terms with it. And, and Eric's telling him, like, it's okay. Like, I don't think anything different of you. Whatever. They're talking about that. And then Eric just blurts out that Jose had been sexually molesting him. Mm. Eric blurted that out to Lyle. To Lyle. In the moment after the toupee rip. Right. They're talking about the toupee rip, all the shit that's been going on in the family. Jose being an asshole, controlling everything, being physically abusive. And then Eric is just like, this happens to me. And Lyle was like, well, that happened to me. I didn't realize that it happened to you. And Eric said that Jose was still abusing him in and this that is, moment. And this is what came out then in court is what they say. Right. This, this is, is their story. This is their story. So at that point, then they decided that they were going to confront Jose and Kitty about this. They confronted them. And we said on part one, I think it was all the way back in part one, that Jose had threatened to kill them before. About yeah, in, that was the end of part one. And like, according to the brothers, they viewed this threat as very real. Jose. Well, you're fucking scalping people? <laughs> <laughs> Sexually abusing them? Maybe. Jose made a comment that they had signed their own death certificate by bringing this to him like confronting him about this that toupee story (laughs) blew my mind i promise that isn't i i knew nothing about it and that is not at all what i was expecting my thought was they put like a toupee on one of the brothers in court to make him look like younger and goofier okay that's what i thought it was going towards yeah not fucking at all this (laughs) holy shit i'm i i promise that is what I was thinking. Like, oh, they just put a goofy toupee on one of the brothers to make him look like more adolescent or something. Right. Did someone say goofy? 
That's. I really feel molested listening to that. That is not okay. All right. So the the toupee really happened. It is the straw that broke the camel's back. It's just holy fuck. It's a pivotal moment. Is the toupee? Did it cause Eric to really blurt out that they were sexually abused, and they and they kind of figured this all out, or was it the tipping point that's like, okay, fuck our parents, yeah, we're gonna kill them and take the money, yeah. I mean, that's a big family secret. You've held on to that for eight, nine years. Abuse or the balding? The balding. Yeah. Like that eight or nine years you've held on to that secret and mm-hmm. then you get ripped off in front of your little brother that looks up to you. Well, and that's also, that's to an extent, to a certain extent, just emotional abuse to force a 13, 14 year old to have to wear a wig and to tell him he's going to be less than because yeah. he's balding and to hide it from everyone. dramatic for sure. So, I mean, and I'm not, that has nothing to do with my final opinion on all this, but just looking at that specific fact, like that's, it's terrible. Yeah. It's hard enough if you're going to be that young and you're already losing hair, let alone having your own dad tell you like, Oh, you're going to be a fucking failure in life. So yeah. I'm going to stitch this, this wig to your head. They have to wash those then. Like if it's if it's on his head, is it just treated like regular hair? You just soap and shampoo. I and- think with those real expensive ones. Hmm. Because I'm obviously bald. So And you're I- a failure, so <laughs> it adds up. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody listens to your shitty podcast. I was on I get recommended like the bald subreddit and stuff on Reddit. And there was one thing Wait, that who the fuck sends that to you? Your, your camera. What oh, do you mean? It's your my, phone's uh, like, Oh, couldn't help but notice uh, your camera's picked up your balding. Or my some... algorithm for whatever. Huh. So <laughs> you type like a bald man. <laughs> Hello, my follically challenged friend. Perhaps you'd like the bald subreddit. Today. <laughs> but that led me to a subreddit all about, uh, guys that do this real expensive stuff and it's crazy it's like a whole procedure that they have to shave the top of their head perfectly bald and then it's like surgically like implanting new follicles or right no there's a like, bunch I think of that's a different thing though there's a d- bit bunch of different ways right there's yeah. the stuff where you can do the new follicles and then there's a the stuff where you just like Sew a toupee onto your head. Or snaps, right? right? You snap I think it that's on. a thing too. Riveted. Uh, I'm like, sorry, but we cut you seems, off. Yeah. What's the way you were going to tell us about? Pretty much all that. Like just really. <laughs> he gets targeted by all of them. <laughs> it's really expensive and painful, painful things. It sounds horrible. But now bald yeah. is cool. Like everyone. That's what bald is cool these days. It wasn't like that in 80 whatever, I guess. Like right? if somebody wants to do that. I'm not going to fault them. It's it's your life. It's your look. I, I I don't live that way. Do what makes you happy. But I think bald is cool. Like, you're better off just embracing it. I think we've had this conversation. If you start mm-hmm. losing your hair, don't fight it. Shave yeah. your head. It looks cool. Most guys look cool with it. Yeah, I know there's a few to. that maybe they don't, but... As soon as I like really started showing, I'm like, nope, that's the end of this because <laughs> yeah. you look like ten years older when if you just like let it go. Yeah. And then what you did because we were friends before when you still had your hair, mm. and then you grew your beard out, and you look good. Yeah, like, if you're bald and can't grow a beard, 
Well, yeah, you have up. your own issues to deal with, yeah, maybe. That sucks. <laughs> but that really sucks. You grow a good beard, so it's like, you know, looks badass. There's I like, like the bald look. There's like tiers of bald. See, this bald guy's ripping on other bald guys that can't grow a beard because he's got this big beard. <laughs> well, there's a hierarchy. <laughs> there's a hierarchy. He's, yeah. he's, a high, he's higher on end of the baldies. Yeah. 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 I have not... <laughs> I don't think I have not suffered with any hair loss in my life. I'm starting to go gray, though, in my beard. That's all right. The I got a bunch of them goes gray. Too. I'm going to look like this guy over here pretty soon. <laughs> Who are you talking about? Who are you talking about? I'm talking about fire? Dave Nemopod. <laughs> I don't. I like the salt and pepper look. I think the salt and pepper look is good. You got a good salt and pepper beard. I like that. It's all right. If I could, if I could age like that, I think that's good stuff. George Clooney in my opinion, made the salt and pepper look sexy. Good looking salt and pepper. All the man. women loved him. Sure. He didn't uh, he didn't embrace the beard. He left all of us bearded guys out on that one. But he made the salt and pepper look good. Cool. Yeah. So I'm all right with that. Lyle has embraced his baldness. Now? Yeah. Oh yeah? Yeah, he completely shaves his head. Uh, I guess no, he's, I, not, he's not a good looking man. <laughs> he does not look great, Paul. <laughs> cut, cut this if you want, but I, I was going to say, well, I guess he lives. <laughs> Spoil that one for me. I do. N I have no idea what these guys look like. I'm going to have to look them up then when we're done. Like, I mean, all the, the old photos we yeah, posted on social sure. media, but anything now. Eric um, aged pretty well. He did. Yeah. I was going to say that, too. I'll ask more questions at the end. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Take a moment to think about a relationship in your life that took a lot of work. What did you do to make the relationship what it is today? Did you spend time working on yourself, or did you put effort into working on the relationship? A common misconception about relationships is that they must be easy to be right. But sometimes, the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether it be with your friends colleagues, significant other, or really anyone. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that putting in the work to improve yourself will also help improve your relationships. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And who wouldn't want to have a relationship with the best version of you? If you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. Improve yourself and improve your relationships. Visit BetterHelp.com Necro today and get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Necro. So at first they tried to buy shotguns, but they couldn't get them quickly. They didn't want to wait for, you know whatever background checks and things that were in place at the time. They don't want to wait for all the paperwork. So they drove to San Diego for shotguns and they found a smaller shop that was willing to just kind of say eh, whatever and give them the shotguns. Smart. Leslie Abramson also really hit on Eric's hopes of going to UCLA and leaving the home. She said that Jose making Eric sleep at home to check on his schoolwork meant the abuse would continue. Eric thought, like, this is my escape. Yeah. I'm not going to have to live with him anymore. And then he's told that, no, you're not. 
I'm not paying for you to be in a dorm. You're going to stay at home. That's weird. Prosecution started their case by playing the 911 call. They wanted the jury to hear how well or not well Lyle could act, knowing that the call was fake. We played that last week, right? Mm-hmm. It was not good. Do we still have it? Sure. We pl- is it Was it a long one? And it's like two minutes. Can we do it again? When he started saying, maybe I missed it, and uh, let me talk to Eric. Did did Lyle say my brother Eric is here? How did he even know who the fuck Eric was? I don't know. That's probably edited a little bit. So he said something about Eric's here. Or sure, yeah. Eric's too upset. Because he's just like, let me talk to Eric. And I was like, how the fuck do you know who Eric is? Yeah. Okay. So. Take it for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean. They killed their parents and then he made that call. Right. Well, they killed their parents and then tried to build the alibi. Remember? And then made the call. Right. And then yeah. when the alibi was falling through a couple hours later, they just dis- cheesecake factory. Yeah. They decided <laughs> yeah. to just go home and call 911. And he decided he worked all that up. Hmm. Then they called the boat captain who took the Mendendez's shark fishing on. August 19th, 1989. That was the day before the murders. He talked about how strange the family was and how the brothers spent the whole seven-hour trip together at the front of the boat. At the end of that day in court, Leslie Abramson told the media that the brothers stayed to themselves on the boat because they were scared it was a trap to kill them. She said that the brothers were feeling more and more scared before the murders, seeing danger in normal things. Like, this wasn't... Leslie was acknowledging that this wasn't a plot to kill Lyle and Eric in reality. This was their minds wandering to he is going to figure out a way to kill us now that we've brought this to his attention. Okay, I'll buy that. 
which that's real. That is re- like you can be irrationally afraid of people. Sure, it's true. Well, especially people that have molested you. If that if you believe them, sure. Yeah, and have threatened to kill you. Mm-hmm. You kind of consider just loose ends and deep. You know that you could unravel his career and everything he's built. And sure, I see that potentially. They called Detective Les Solar. He described how the brothers came back to the house and the crime scene early the next morning on August 21st, 1989, asking for their tennis rackets and their the, their bags that were in the same room as where Jose and Kitty were murdered, which that's really weird that you would want to walk back in that room. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's, that's, that's a misstep there. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. Shut your mouths and stay the fuck away from yes. the crime scene. <laughs> Dot hello, com. hello, shut your mouth. Um, should I go back to my, <laughs> the, my, the room where my mom was murdered to get my tennis racket? <laughs> no, mm. that'll be $50. Just go buy a new one. Yeah. You have a fucking $250,000 yeah. credit exactly. line. And, and clearly Make, Lyle's not afraid to spend some money. Yeah. Let's go buy some new fucking rackets. Makes no sense. Friends of Lyle and Eric, Perry Berman, Craig Sigrinelli, and Donovan Gaudreau testified for the prosecution perry's testimony was used to show that the brothers tried to create the alibi for the night of the murders um remember they got him out of bed to go to the cheesecake factory and then no showed him that poor guy should have ignored that call (laughs) this is why like chris benoit and on when i get in bed my phone is on silent you ain't fucking calling me to come be your alibi after a murder and guess what then I'm not being called to court because I was fucking sleeping and my phone was on silent. If it's if if someone's <laughs> dead at 10 o'clock at night and you need to reach me, guess what? They're going to be dead at 8 a.m. when I get up. One of these nights, I'm going to call him like 400 times <laughs> between the hours of 2 and 5. And then the, the next day, I'm going to go, I didn't call you. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I wake up to 400 texts between you and Ian <laughs> every morning. Probably like you do with Ian and I between like midnight and you know, or 10 and 1 a.m. That's right. Yeah. Ian's the only one who's constantly awake. You go to bed early, I sleep in, and we both fucking wake up the text. There's days where, like, I'll wake up and there'll be a bunch of texts. I'm like, I'll get to those later. And I go, I do my thing. I'm like, at 10 a.m. Okay. All right. Let me get get caught up on what the fuck's going on. Craig Signorelli talked about his visit to the Menendez house 12 days after the murders. He said Eric told him how the murders happened, but never mentioned any physical, psychological, or sexual abuse. At the end of the day, Judge Weisberg decided that the screenplay Eric and Craig wrote couldn't be used in court. He said it was written too long before the murders to matter. Donovan Gaudreau testified that he left his wallet and ID in Lyle's room in Princeton after he was forced out of the dorm. He also said that he once told Lyle that he was molested as a child and Lyle didn't share any similar stories or say anything about him being sexually abused, which, eh, whatever, I don't know. Eh, it doesn't prove anything. Mm-mm. It doesn't, but if you're the prosecution, you you know, yeah, of course. bring that up. I mean, the ID buying the guns doesn't prove anything either. They're admitting they did it. The main witness for the prosecution was Dr. Ozeal. But even before Leslie Abramson questioned him in court, which she told the media she was going to destroy Ozeal. I think the quote that she told the cameras was like, in front of every man and God, she was going to destroy his credibility. <laughs> like, it was a brutal line. I'm like, God damn. That just gave me a vengeance boner. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> 
So I like that even though like, at least from my standpoint, going through the story, like it's almost seems unanimous that like everyone hates Ozeal, no matter what you think about the final thing. Like he's kind of a scumbag psycholog- psychologist or psychiatrist? Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. I believe, yeah. He's kind of a he's kind of a scumbag and not really trustworthy in any way, shape, or form. Oh, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, he's a loser in this whole thing for sure. Well, and the two dead people. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> and customers of Mister <laughs> Buffalo. <laughs> well, unless they got the wings, the wings were reportedly really good. It's just the name. He probably changed the fucking recipe though. Like he probably took the garlic parm that's always good as a sauce and made it the fucking dry rub. You know what I mean? Like those shitty places that do that. Like, oh, I'll just throw garlic and parmesan on it. No, it's, it needs to be a fucking sauce. I like dry rub wings. I do too, but not with garlic parm was my point. Understand. Like, like you get that B-dubs that they have that really good garlic parm sauce. Got you it. go other places and it's literally like they're shaking yeah. garlic and parmesan. I'm like, nah, no thanks. That that sweet habanero is that what it's called? That Quaker steak. They're you like rub? that? That's really good. Sweet well, I habanero, wasn't thinking that one. Kind of I you like what they're? What's the one? The sauce you like from them? The, the tire the, cracker. The tire cracker. That is the best sauce for wings ever. Yeah, tire cracker. I'm not again. I'd like a good dry rub on wings, just not the garlic parm. Yeah. And I'm he probably fucking ruin the garlic parm. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you and your garlic parm wings. You know how to run a restaurant. You bald fuck. <laughs> bald people don't know how to run restaurants. <laughs> They're failures in life. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ian. Go on though. That's okay. He can grow facial hair. He's not one of the real bald losers who can't grow That's a beard. Right. <laughs> he made that perfectly clear earlier. He stressed that fact indeed. I'm just saying that if I couldn't grow a beard, I would be really not happy. <laughs> Someone made a smart ass comment on a uh, Instagram post about me and you. It was like, can you imagine what they look like without beards? I wanted to reply back. Well, that's the point of having beards, so you'll never be able to yeah. see it. I'm not going to show my fat face. <laughs> right? It'd be awful for everybody. <laughs> yeah, there's a point behind beards. Including, We're aware of it. Yeah. Also, there's photos of me with my mustache. Let's go look at that. Mm, yeah. It's highly offensive. That's why I have it sometimes. I like to shock people. Make sure they're still paying attention. So before trial even started and Ozeal was called to uh, to testify, the California State Board of Psychology wanted to take away his license because he had sexual relationships with Judalon Smith and another woman. He had also traded some sessions of therapy for construction work done at his house. <laughs> It's just absurd. <laughs> I'll psychoanalyze you if you build a deck for me, fella. <laughs> okay. This guy's something else. And Judalon Smith had a $400,000 lawsuit going on against Ozeal for how he treated her when she was living at his house. Dr. Ozeal started his testimony on August 4th, and it lasted for six days. He told both Lyle and Eric's juries that the brothers planned to kill Jose because he controlled them too much and he was always just down on them about everything, just nothing but criticism. They killed Kitty because they didn't want her to be left alive to tell what happened, and they said that she couldn't live without Jose. They were real, even on the tape, I, I don't remember if I bring it up later in this uh, in this outline or not, but even in the recording while where Lyle is heard talking about the murders. He's real 
cold about Kitty. Like she just had to die. Mm. Like we'll put her out. Like one of the things specifically, the the tone was put her out of her misery. Yeah, kind of thing. Leslie Abramson just ripped Ozil apart on everything we've talked about with Ozil this whole time, and it was basically how are we supposed to take his word for it on the tapes, the ones where it's just him reading his own notes. The initial tape, the initial confession, didn't have Eric or Lyle talking on it. It was just Ozil reading his own notes. Yeah. Which you've already painted him out to be a piece of shit scumbag, so how can we even take that serious? Sure. And some of that initial thing honestly does sound like... uh, too much like a movie. He's writing a script. Yeah, with Lyle shaking his hands and good luck. Yeah. You know, all good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Best of luck, doctor. If you live. Mm. <laughs> also, why does your finger smell like your receptionist? <laughs> <laughs> good question. It's like, no, but for real, why does your finger smell like your receptionist? <laughs> really, really, I want an answer. Yeah, for real. You tapping that? <laughs> My man. <laughs> Hello, shutyourmouth.com. This is Dr. Ozeal. I've been challenged by Lyle out here in the hallway. <laughs> Don't say anything. That'd be $50. <laughs> the last part of evidence before we get into um, get into the defense is the computer that Jose had. He had his personal computer. Lyle hired a guy to delete any mention of the word will off the computer, hmm. which... He did, and that person testified to it <laughs> that there were documents he deleted, but this is pre a lot of like computer forensics mm-hmm. and stuff, and this was just kind of used as a thing. Like they're trying to get rid of the will. It was used as evidence, but it wasn't like a smoking gun like it would be nowadays, I think. Like if it was if this happened now with technology, I think this would be like a big smoking gun. I think that makes sense because anything they found back then on a computer would show his intent to remove them from the will. Like he wouldn't have probably had signed executed copies of a will right. on his computer. Like you might find now it would have been just a draft. He was working. And who on the hell knows who likely. deleted that? Yeah. He could have just been like, ah, it's fucking around. Yeah. So you're telling me nowadays they can find things. I delete on my computer. <laughs> I'll refer you back to the Casey Anthony episode. I had the forensics guy pull up your Google search, so mm. we have access to your information, pal. Well, nothing's changed. <laughs> Casey, Casey Anthony Disney aspects. <laughs> Britney Spears Instagram knife play. Just use Firefox. That worked for Casey. Boom. Don't worry about anything else. That's right, because they ignored the, what was it, Internet Explorer? They ignored the Firefox. Yeah. They only trade. checked her other generic the Internet Explorer, Internet Explorer. which no fucking Wait, buddies is, except for old people use Internet Explorer like George. It's the worst. But if it's your <laughs> job to check the computer, how are you not checking all of that? I, we're going to end a whole different case. Doesn't you, matter. Use a VPN and a Tor browser so no one can find what you're fucking up to in your own house. I'll be honest with you. That's I didn't understand a word you just fucking said. <laughs> okay, pal. I think that falls under the line of shutyourmouth.com. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we also offer VPN services. Yeah. When you hit option two at, at shutyourmouth.com, you yeah. get someone who knows what they're talking about. And that's, that's the advice perfect. they give you. Look, if people if people want to look up my uh, me just Googling best ways to cuck a man... 
and then uh, apartmentwrestling.com. <laughs> Go ahead. You just have a good time. Look me up. Is it gay when the cuck licks your balls? <laughs> I found that one. Well, and when we did the forensic search last time. I can. I mean, from personal experience, it's it's not a pleasure of mine. It adds to the humiliation <laughs> factor, but it's not something I like to dive got into. It, Just sit in the fucking corner. If they're really into it and they're really going to pay, uh, you know. You're flexible. It's a paycheck. It's a paycheck. Get into the evidence that the defense put forth during the trial that they say proved that the brothers were being sexually abused. Pictures were found of the brothers naked at six and eight years old, which had their heads cut out and focused on their genitals. Six-year-old Eric appeared to have an erection in one of the pictures. I am not hard in the slightest right now. <laughs> well, I'm half chubbed right now. <laughs> wow. Then none of that was good. <laughs> well, I think that was live audio of Eric and Lyle, right? I think that was you guys. Hmm. It's not <laughs> I. <laughs> the envelope containing those pictures had Kitty's handwriting on it that said, Eric's sixth birthday. Uh, that's really fucking weird, dude. It's extremely weird. Come on. That's a little weird. Yeah. How did they know? I guess you could tell them. We're like, yeah, that's my six-year-old wiener. Mm-hmm. Their heads were cut off, but I'm sure you tell. Lyle's was bald, so you can just tell. <laughs> his head was cut off. <laughs> I didn't mean his head at all. <laughs> I don't feel good about that joke at all, <laughs> but it is what it is. There was an unexplained injury to the back of Eric's throat at seven years old, which was consistent with oral rape. There is a record from the following day from the Princeton Medical Center that said, quote, hurt posterior pharynx, uvula and soft palate, healing well, symptomatic treatment. Dr. Carrie English testified at trial that this is the type of injury that's an indication of oral copulation in children. And I also read that nowadays dentists are trained to look for this in kids to report abuse. Oh, isn't that something? Yeah. I'm glad dentists are trained in that. Like, good yeah, for them. Yeah. Hopefully they're, they're catching some of these fuckos, but... Both of Lyle and Eric's medical records had symptoms that are normally seen in kids who were sexually abused, like gastrointestinal problems, unexplained abdominal pain, frequent headaches, speech issues, teeth grinding. These are all things that they had in their medical records throughout growing up. Their cousin, Diane Vandermolen, was told by Lyle when he was nine years old that he was, quote, afraid his dad was going to come into his room and that, quote, he and his dad had been touching each other down there. Diane went to get Kitty and tell her, but Kitty said that Lyle was making things up and convinced Diane that nothing was wrong. Another cousin, Andy Kano, testified that when Eric was 12 and Andy was 10, Eric told him that his dad had been, quote, massaging his dick and was trying to find out if these massages are normal. He also told Andy that, quote, these massages are beginning to hurt. Andy testified to that at trial. He he sat up there and said this stuff. A a lot of the family members, especially, you know, these cousins that testified to this stuff, they have no gain in doing that besides defending Lyle and Eric. And there's no, like, financial gain or anything for them to come out and make this stuff up. 
two other cousins, Alan and Kathleen, who spent summers at the house, said that Jose would take the boys to their bedroom and Kitty wouldn't allow the cousins going, what they said, quote, down the hall. Another cousin, Brian, said that he heard cries and groans coming from the bedroom. He said that Kitty would turn the TV volume up really high and stop him from going upstairs to see what was going on. Brian also testified that Jose and the boys took showers together. Also regarding those showers, their cousin Diane testified that she saw Kitty go into the bathroom to, quote, help Lyle shower at 14 years old, and she would be up there for you know, 20, 30 minutes. You're fucking weirdos. Hmm. Hmm. About six weeks before the murders, Kitty told her therapist that she was, quote, hiding sick and embarrassing secrets regarding her family. Something wrong here. <laughs> it, the note, that's all it really says. There's not, and it's just some like general stuff around it. There's no, no unfortunately, no specifics of what she got into or if she did. A piece of evidence that wasn't presented at trial but is interesting is a 17-page letter that was seized from Eric's jail cell that Lyle wrote to him in May of 1990, which that was three years before the trial began. Wait, it took three years for the trial to start? Oh, yeah. They've been sitting in jail forever. No shit. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's a lot that... There's things... I would suggest that anybody, you know, really interested to go read Robert Rand's book on this Mm. case... Because there's there's stuff like Eric's time in jail, like he obviously did not do well sure. starting out. Um, hmm. But yeah, they they time. sat there for a long time. Yeah. Wow. No bail. I mean, I mean that they had the money for bail. They were not eleven hundred dollars. They had set aside well, didn't cover it. <laughs> they were not granted any bail. Hmm. In part, it read, "Quote: We alone know the truth. We alone know the secrets of our family's past." I do not look forward to broadcasting them around the country. I pray that it never has to happen. If it were not for you, I doubt I would even try for manslaughter. I would rather try and escape or die. I struggle with my belief that men take responsibility for their actions. Pleading abuse is not taking responsibility. Hmm. Prosecutors used that letter in the grand jury proceedings, but after the brothers admitted to killing Jose and Kitty... They no longer needed to use it for a trial, and the, def- and the judge said that the defense couldn't present a letter written by the defendant as evidence. Why not? I don't know. Seems like that could help the defense in their case. And the judge said no. Mm. Okay. The last thing to cover in the trial, Judge Weisberg ruled that the defense had given up their right to keep patient therapist conversations private by saying that the brothers killed out of fear. So the December 11th confession tape ended up being played for the jury. On this tape, Lyle talks about why they killed their parents. He bragged that he and Eric were, quote, brave for killing their mother. He also made a comparison saying that he missed his parents like he missed a pet. Lyle's voice on the tape is really cold and emotionless. Like I said before, he talked about Kitty like he just put her out of her misery kind of thing because... She's too weak to live without Jose. Mm. The tape didn't mention any sexual abuse. It said that they killed Jose because he was too controlling and a bad husband. Eric doesn't talk on the tape. We talked about it a couple times. You can hear him crying in the background. So that is not a good look. I mean, does that lead you to believe the sexual abuse defense was the attorney's idea and they kind of 
conjured this up later. Or maybe they just didn't want to talk about it way back then. They were still embarrassed to admit all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'll save it for the end. Maybe final thoughts. We'll get into all that. Sure. Yeah. Of course. But yeah, that's. (laughs) Dave's given some food for thought. Hmm. Judge Weisberg gave Lyle and Eric's juries four verdict options regarding the brother's sentence. They could convict the brothers of first degree murder with the death penalty, second degree murder, voluntary manslaughter, or involuntary manslaughter. Both Lyle and Eric were being judged on three charges the murder of Jose, the murder of Kitty, and conspiracy to commit murder. All that planning that they had done. Yeah, yeah. You know, you went out and purchased shotguns under false pretenses. That's that's premeditated, you know. Mm. If you'd grabbed kitchen knives and in a, a state of panic or passion had killed them, then that's a different story. But On January 13th, 1994, after 16 days of deliberation, Eric's jury reported a deadlock. Then on January 25th, Following 24 days of deliberation, Lyle's jury also reached a deadlock. The juries for both brothers were divided. They just argue back and forth if the brothers were just, you know, cold-blooded murderers or victims of prolonged abuse. Uh, as a result, Judge Weisberg declared mistrials in both cases. What? <laughs> the biggest thing or why they were deadlocked was all the men... All the male jurors refused to believe that a father would sexually abuse their son. And the women believed them that they were sexually abused. Yeah. Straight down lines. Right. Men and women. They wanted, the women wanted manslaughter. The men said, absolutely not. They killed for the money. Mm. That's what I read. Dave's like, I confirm your notes. <laughs> That's what I read too. Well, I know you're bald, so you don't think right all the time, but as Dave now with a full head of hair, I'm letting you know I confirm. Oh, I do not have a full head of hair, my friend. Well, I see Little hair. stays for long fast. I see hair. <laughs> I got a full beard. I didn't have a full head of hair. We grow some good beards. We could do that at least. I had a full head of curly hair back in my Younger days. You ever going to repost that photo? You did back early on in the podcast. Did I? High school Dave. <laughs> uh, maybe on Discord you did back in the day. <laughs> I Dave? was deleting pictures off my phone not too long ago, and for some reason I had it in my photos. <laughs> did, did you delete it? Yeah. Oh, you should have saved that. Uh, I deleted it. <laughs> on like, my, why the fuck do I have this picture of Dave from high school? <laughs> <laughs> on my Instagram, my uh, like I don't know, six months ago, I posted my high school prom photo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. It was a little humbling of an experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it is what it is. It was a different person back then. Not a lot of uh, wet vagine amongst your uh, Instagram followers. That Maybe night. not that, but the high school ladies. <laughs> I mean, come on. I was slaying. <laughs> back then, I was just, you know, pasty little hundred pound doofus. Yeah. Shit in your pants on the front porch. <laughs> that was many years before that, pal. <laughs> I just like to bring it up whenever I can. That was before I was even driving a car. <laughs> Hence the whole bicycle ride that led up to it. Patreon. Was that Patreon? Oh, I put it on the 2023 oh, did show. Absolutely. <laughs> Giving my shit literally away for free. <laughs> when did we talk about that initially? 
uh, on like the 2020 end of year show. Oh, it was an end of year just bullshit session. Yeah. It was, that was COVID days. That was <laughs> no holds barred. <laughs> we were doing what we can to survive that then. So they just went right back to jail to wait for a second trial because... It's not an acquittal. It's a mistrial. Right. Fun fact, in between this, O.J. Simpson had his... Uh, Oh. His Motherfucker ish. stole the headlines. Well, he had gotten arrested right in this time frame. Guess who he was incarcerated next to for the beginning? Really? Like, no. Eric. Oh. <laughs> no. And they, OJ came over to the house before and had played football with Lyle and Eric because of the Hertz oh. rental car stuff. So Eric says that him and OJ talked. And Eric was like, all right, I've been here for a while, so here's the run of it. Here's how you're going to survive in here. Hmm. Fun fact. Eric Menendez giving survival tips to O.J. Simpson. Yeah, on how to survive in hmm. The juice is loose. <laughs> like the, the, the boy that cries in all the videos and mm-hmm. all the, the audio clips. <laughs> He's giving uh, advice to O.J. Simpson. Hmm. About how, how about it works. That? That's interesting. That's a fun little tidbit. Mm. And then OJ traded Eric for three packs of smokes. <laughs> <laughs> or he just got that booty hole. I said it once. Relax. I said it now. No, he put his glasses on. <laughs> I said it once. His uh, his alarm. asshole. His asshole. False alarm. MJ was dead. OJ penetrated that asshole. <laughs> Not anything else. No other terms. You better put a disclaimer I hate in there. OJ that. Simpson's gonna be uh filing a libel suit against you I said, all of a sudden said, the juice is going to be knocking on the <laughs> studio door i just said oj i didn't say who <laughs> lots of ojs out there i'm more upset that i said the asshole the bh word <laughs> not asshole the other the other version of it that i'm not going to say again i know better than what this word thing. i'm not i don't know i don't remember hmm. doesn't matter not saying <laughs> it so there eric's locked up in by the time the second trial starts, O.J. Simpson had already been acquitted, <laughs> and L.A. was uh, looking real embarrassed. The district attorney's office—they were not happy. Yeah. Uh, so, Lyle and Eric say that they're they were made an example of, or they say that the deck was stacked against them because of that. Like there was no way that the D.A.'s office was going to lose this trial. Judge Stanley Weisberg ruled that the brothers would be tried in front of a single jury this time, and he banned television cameras from the courtroom. He also restricted testimony to events relevant to the brothers' state of mind just the week before the killings. So this meant that all the defense witnesses from the first trial who supported the claims of abuse by the parents weren't called. They couldn't provide a single bit of evidence regarding the sexual abuse, so they have no defense. Honestly, it's just changing the rules to facilitate a conviction. I don't. Yeah, that's all this is. Yeah, that's. Hmm. Do you think stopping the cameras to f- facilitates helps a conviction? No, I think not allowing the defense witnesses. The- I just, you, but you said all this. I just didn't know if you meant that oh, part because I, I feel like the media already convicted these guys. So having the cameras there just only helps that. I think. Yeah, I don't think that's a major part but of it. It's I agree. Limiting with the, other the witness, the defense witness list. Of course. Yeah, that was backbreaking. Got rid of their whole defense. Yeah. 
you can't corroborate and substantiate the abuse claims like they clearly did in the first trial, mm-hmm. then you don't really have anything. So after they went through the same trial we just went through, minus the sexual abuse evidence, the jury found Lyle and Eric guilty of first-degree murder. The verdict was reached on April 17, 1996, and the brothers were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. They were initially sent to separate facilities. Lyle was sent to Mule Creek State Prison, and Eric was sent to Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility. However, as of recently, Lyle has been moved to the same facility as Eric. There's some recent updates, like as of last year. In 2003, the brother's cousin who testified, Andy Kano, died from an overdose. When his mother was going through his belongings, she found a letter written by Eric to Andy. The letter was dated eight months before the murders, and it read, quote, Mom isn't doing good. It's like she's here physically, but mentally she's just gone, if you know what I mean. She freaks out over nothing. I feel bad for her. I don't know why she puts up with dad's shit. At times, I wish I could talk to her about things, you know? Someday, especially dad and I, but the way she worships him and tells him everything— I'm so afraid she'll tell him whatever I say. I just can't risk it. So now I'm stuck here all alone. I've been trying to avoid dad. It's still happening, Andy, but it's worse for me now. I can't explain it. He's so overweight that I just can't stand to see him. I never know when it's going to happen and if it's driving me crazy. Every night I stay up thinking he might come in. I need to put it out of my mind. I know what you said before, but I'm afraid. You just don't know dad like I do. He's crazy. He warned me a hundred times about telling anyone, especially Lyle. Am I a serious wimpus? I don't know I'll make it through this. I can't handle it, Andy. I need to stop thinking about it. Los Angeles Magazine reported on this in June 2023. I'm just going to read this article by Michelle McPhee. Los Angeles Superior Court Judge William C. Ryan is demanding answers from L.A. County District Attorney George Gasson about explosive evidence of sexual abuse that was kept from a jury deciding the fate of two of California's most notorious killers. The judge issued an order Wednesday requesting Gascon, whose office prosecuted the Menendez brothers in two different trials, explain whether his lawyers exercised due diligence in pursuing evidence that their father, Jose, was in fact abusive. The judge points to a letter uncovered by the brother's lawyers and written eight months before the sensational killings. Hmm. So this judge wants answers. But And this letter was found, though, in 2003, after he died. Mm-hmm. And so now 20 years later, somebody's finally like, hey, maybe let's look into this. 20 years. So it just sat there for 20 years. Mm. Okay. It is contemporaneous, you know, evidence of abuse. I, it certainly deserves being looked into. A hundred percent. Yeah. Now let's do the finish this last part and then we'll get into our thoughts. Cause I feel like we're all dying to just kind of <laughs> talk about what we think here. There's also a documentary that came out in 2023 called Mendendez plus Menudo boys betrayed. Jose signed a boy band called Menudo while working at RCA Records. Menudo members weren't recruited just for their talent, 
once a boy hit puberty or reached the age of 16, they were removed from the group and replaced by a younger artist. It's very weird. Glad we don't do that on this show. <laughs> sure, pal. <laughs> You'd be in big trouble. Uh, Jose presented this group. This was like, oh, this is this great idea that, you know, a boy band, but they never age. But it's yeah. really, it's like, well, this kind of sounds like grooming. This is weird. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit grooming, maybe. A lot of the former members of the band later said that they were sexually abused during their time in Menudo. One of the former members, Roy Rosello, talked specifically about Jose Menendez and saying that he sexually abused him in that 2023 documentary. Roy said that Jose molested, drugged, and raped him when he was performing with the group and while Jose was the head of RCA records. I don't know, man. Hmm. Those are the newest updates to the case. And we're talking as of like last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence pointing against this guy being up to some stuff. There's some really credible evidence that the defense put forth in the first trial that they were being sexually abused. I think that's right. A lot of the evidence in the first trial seems to rely on cousins who are relaying what the brother said to them. But we've also like kind of hinted at that the brothers would also just kind of make things up sometimes or or say things off off the the rail. There's other things like how Lyle would play with toys. Mm -hmm. Like younger kid toys were well past where he should have. Yeah. Things like that were pointed out. That's a sign of... Well, yeah, and some of the stories that they told their cousins were from when they were like 10 years old. It wasn't just something you could say, oh, well, they were planning a couple months prior planning well, just an met, alibi like, to the murder. Could they have just been all their entire lives just been, you know, maybe sociopaths that said mm. stuff against... I'm not saying that's what I believe. I'm just I'm just talking yeah. through it. Um, you know, they, they had very insulated lives... Maybe that played a part in some of the stunted maturity of their childhood. I suppose. There seem to be firsthand accounts of weird shit going on at the house, though, from cousins staying there the summer. I definitely think there was abuse of it to an extent. Maybe it was all the way horrible sexual abuse and just, you know, molesting your kids and raping them. Yeah. It certainly seems like... Uh, Jose abused them. I mean, he certainly emotionally and mentally abused them throughout their lives. Yeah, definitely. There's no question. Yeah, that. yeah. So it's it's not crazy to say that he physically abused them. Did he sexually abuse them? I, I, I don't know. I, I keep going back and forth on that. I don't know. It seems I lean towards it being likely. I don't know that it was yeah. proved 100%, but seems like there's something there. I think I agree. And I think that's why before Ian got to the most recent updates of like the, the, the later years, I agree with the second trial. Like I, I, I certainly don't think they should have been put to death. Yeah. There are too many questions. Do they deserve another trial? If more evidence comes out, I think so. And if they were as abused as they say, they, I don't think they deserve life in prison. But I, I don't think that I, I I I don't think they deserved the to be put to death. 
because there's too many questions. No, absolutely. I agree with that. I think it's likely the dad was abusing them. I think what's sexually, you mean? Yeah, I, I think so. It seems like that's the case. I think what's less clear is Kitty's involvement in all of this. And I think if she really wasn't that involved, then maybe killing their dad alone, maybe you could defend. But if she wasn't really involved and and their excuses put her out of her misery, she can't live without them, then I don't think that that's really an excuse for what they did. Like if they were both mm. molesting them, I, I think maybe the manslaughter charge is appropriate. But if they just killed their mom because she was there as well and they wanted to tie up loose ends then i think that is a murder conviction i mean lyle you know he says it himself on on tape that you know kitty is more or less like putting her out of her misery kind of thing but they also seem to have a closer relationship with their mom were they just protecting her in 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 not admitting to her knowledge or even abuse that that could be, I suppose, but if you're not going to... I'm just asking questions. I, yeah, you know, I don't It's potentially, know. or it's, it, you know, anything's possible, but if you're not going to prove that she was somehow directly involved in this abuse that you're using as your defense, then, right, and then you, you just, can't just kill her in cold blood like that, then. Right. That's not the same thing. And it almost seemed like she was just so mentally out of all of it, right? She was pilled up. She was drunk. Sure. Yeah. Self-medicating because maybe he Did was she abusing even, her to the same extent. Maybe so. I, I don't think, I think it would be my guess that she probably was just oblivious to everything going on because she was in such a medicated state. And you don't want to believe that your husband's molesting your two boys, right? Maybe that's why she extra medicated. Nobody wants sure. to believe that. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe she just turned a blind eye and was like, oh, I'm going to drink an extra, you know, bottle of vodka tonight because... I don't want to accept the fact that this is happening because yeah. like it was said, she would distract the cousins. Right. Yeah. It, it's so random that like your future depends on jury selection like that. If you would have had a few more sympathetic jurors that could have convinced a few holdouts, like you might've got a manslaughter conviction. These guys would have been out of jail 15 years ago. You might've watched really like Casey Anthony. You might have, right? Like, I don't I mean, think you were ever going to walk away on an acquittal. The one, one of the women, um, one of the jurors, did a interview later on, and she said that acquittal was never on yeah, the table it didn't for sound them. Like it. I think that's right. Yeah. But they, the the women, did <clears throat> believe the sexual abuse, and they wanted to give them manslaughter. I I, I think a couple jurors the other way and. Maybe that would have happened. A little better jury selection. These guys probably could have been out 15 years ago. Yeah, I, I have a really hard time with this because I do believe that they were sexually abused. I think that's I, right. I, I yeah. do believe that, especially their their testimony too, like the way that they cried and, and talked about this stuff. Did they both? T- I, we didn't really get into that, but did they both testify? No, there's video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they both testified. Okay. I don't know, man. You, you listen to the 911 tape. And you can make fun of Lyle and like, oh, because oh, oh. you know he's faking. But yeah, there's the, the way he talks about the sexual abuse stuff. It's different. Like I've, I find that I find myself having a hard time 
like <clears throat> looking at him on screen and like making eye contact with him while he's talking about this stuff is very uncomfortable and him crying and stuff. You know, I watched that doc, that ABC News documentary, and Terry Moran, who's an ABC News reporter, was with Court TV at that time, and they kind of made their bones with, on this trial. And he said the exact same thing. Oh, okay. He didn't believe that they, it wasn't premeditated or whatnot, but when they testified about the abuse, he 100% felt like that that really happened. And he was sitting 10 feet behind him in the, the whole course of the trial. It, but that, you know there's laws right like sexual abuse isn't a death penalty crime in this country you can't just fucking blow people away they weren't how being held prisoner that's their what home. I they mean. could but leave they were subject they were held prisoner as far as financially like rich kids who you know maybe couldn't make their own way in the world and didn't know how to leave but they could have left and done and never looked back and went their own ways. And so you guys are both pretty set on they were sexually abused. Because I don't think I'm there. I think yet. so. I don't think I'm quite there. Based on their testimony and the the corroborating stories of their cousins and I think so. And then the letter afterwards. The letter is interesting. To me, that's that's pretty substantial that needs to be looked into. I feel like, though, they were they were kind of just bullshitters their whole life with some things. I feel like the whole family was bullshitters. I don't think the cousins are lying. I'm just not sure they were maybe given honest information. And I think maybe they were physically abused, and maybe that was some of the screams they heard. That That's possible. But I... I mean, the pictures are fucking weird. Why do you have naked pictures? It's weird. I mean, it's, it's very odd. People it's take naked, odd. you know... Back then, though, six month old, you know, giving your kid a bath pictures, but not eight. Yeah, that's eight, fucking eight weird. Six years old. Nobody does that when they have an arrest. No, no one does that. Well, but for <laughs> me, what's even weirder, though, is just like, you know, their heads are cut off and it's kind of focused in on private. Yeah, I think there that's was very something odd. weird going on there. That's very odd. Yeah, I, I, I do think that there was some some. Look, if they just smoked their dad, I 100% can see just a manslaughter conviction. But I don't know. Just the killing your mom part as a loose end. Is... Especially when you take into account the, the fact that they then got the inheritance. Yeah. And then they spent like there was no tomorrow. Yeah, well, yeah. Lyle did. Yeah. They could have just left. Like, they came back. There was no remorse. They weren't being held captive prisoners there was in no... their home. Like, right. I, I know your dad said you have to live at home, I, but that's just because I'm not paying for a dorm. Like, you yeah. you could just walk away and leave and go get a job somewhere. You weren't being held prisoner. That's yeah. just not the same thing. <laughs> no. You were being held financial prisoner, but that's a rich person problem. That's not being kidnapped and held at gunpoint under lock and key in your own house. Yeah, because yeah, Jose or... Um Lyle had already proved that he could go get away and do his yeah. own thing on the whole opposite side of the country. <clears throat> he Fuck went yeah. to Europe. Open up all that girl to Europe. Yeah. Opened up shitty restaurants on the East Coast. Eric could be a little different. And maybe I'm just like buying into Leslie Abramson, yeah. you know, how charismatic she is and stuff. But like, I do see Eric as the victim in a lot of this. Like, maybe. There's something to be said about the control Jose had over him that he really, he was 18. He's been sexually abused by his dad. It's 
so according to him, his whole life. Yeah. So we all agree they shouldn't have been put to death. No. 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 And we all agree that this maybe this this letter that they're finally finding and look should be looked into more. Sure. I think the fact, I think that's that's kind of where I'm at with this. I think they need a second trial or a third, third. Tri- a third trial because the fact that they couldn't defend themselves in the second trial. I agree with that. Just I agree. Yeah, they, they should be to- given the chance to defend themselves with the abuse. Everybody should have that chance. But if you want to compare it to something, you know, we we kind of felt that. Well, not Mike because he's a cruel bastard, but felt like Gypsy, Gypsy Rose Blanchard was kind of being you know held against her will and was being held prisoner her whole life. I don't I don't view this case in the same light. I think they were adults who had lots of freedom and they could have left whenever they want. Yeah, I don't and view this in the same light as well. Jose like, couldn't do a goddamn thing about it. <laughs> so you were only prisoner. Because you didn't have, he would he would cut you off with the money. I I know that people can be irrationally afraid of someone or feel controlled by someone, even though they're not really controlled by them and things sure, like that. Sure. I just listening to the brothers talk. Like Annie has this whole series where Eric mm-hmm. talks and everything. You know, goes through it's like a six part series, and he goes through everything. I just never feel the the danger. It's they never present the danger. Yeah, that they felt. I guess you know what I mean. Like the shark trip. I'm like, there was no immediate danger. How do you go from that shark trip where everybody is separated from each other to the next day just unloading two shotguns on them? Yeah, like your dad's an overweight. Mid fifty year old guy, like you're telling me, you, you guys can't beat his ass if he tries. Like, what are you afraid of? Like, you're not five years old where he's gonna whoop you, he, right? You know, I I don't disagree with that at all. The sense of danger that they felt is lost on me. I, I don't. Yeah. It's just such an over the top reaction with the shotgun. I agree. It's a brutal murder. Yeah. Premeditated 100%, which regardless of what you believe changes, you know, that's a big deal. The planning is a big deal. Hmm. Almost like you planned online for someone to come into town and rape and murder your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. No, I don't think it's the same thing at all. No case is the same (laughs) and there will be no consistency with any of it. My opinion just changed from day to day too. So, But yeah, I agree. No, they don't. But I don't think Gypsy should have been locked up forever. I think, would she have 10 years? Yes. And I felt at the, at, that that was fair with these guys. I don't think that they should be killed, clearly. And I, I'm not quite sure where I land on what their punishment should be or, or any of the sentencing. I don't think at in any of the situation that they should just go free, but depending on what comes out of this letter or a retrial, you know, life in prison, maybe that's too much. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I think I'm in exactly I, the same place as you. I don't think that second trial with excluding your whole defense. It's was, not fair. It's not fair at all. And like Ian had alluded to, that's, that probably was just bounce back off OJ and hey, we need to cover our asses. 
and people want to see these guys fried. So let's let's do it. Victim of circumstance. I, I think that's right. If they got a third trial and they were let go on like time served based on how long that they've been sitting in prison, I wouldn't be shocked. And I also wouldn't be mad about it. And I wouldn't be shocked if they never got another trial either. You know? Yeah, yeah. I agree. What is is there any is there a big movement to get them another trial? I think the just the court of public opinion has shifted and I think it's because society's progressed a little bit and realized that things like this can happen when our parent sexually abuses I don't their children. I don't think they're gonna end up. No, but they have they have movement as far as just people have changed their opinions on them. Sure, absolutely. At the very least, I think like you had pointed out, Dave, the mom aspect of it might take away from any chance of a retrial. Had it just been the dad, maybe so. I mean, the forensic evidence lines up with what Eric said happened, that Kitty was trying to get away and he couldn't do it. He couldn't shoot her, so Lyle shot her instead. And then he... I believe Eric's account of this. I think Lyle went in there just like fucking Rambo and just started pulling the trigger and Eric didn't do it right away and he shot after. I think you could make the case that Lyle was the ringleader here and maybe Eric was kind of a Are we being too lenient participant? I don't know. Are we being too lenient on these guys? I'm more lenient on Eric. I still don't know with Lyle. Eric was just manipulated maybe into doing something that he didn't want to do, didn't want any a part of. Yeah, I think Just followed his big brother into fucking murdering, shooting type a situation. Yeah. I think there's something to that uncle, that thing he said about how Eric would leave heaven to go yeah, into yeah. hell with Lyle. Yeah, we might be in be being a little lenient here. I mean, it's no small thing to fucking put a shotgun to your parents, dude. Like yeah, I'm not sure that these guys should be getting out of jail. I don't, I don't know. They're probably they're sociopaths, right? That's what I mean. The initial conviction to me makes sense. Life in prison, go. You brutally murdered these people. You didn't really show any remorse. You never brought up abuse after the fact, and you said it was to hide the family secrets. Yet as kids, you weren't really afraid to hide it all. You were telling everybody you fucking knew about it. Yeah. But then you see like these letters that were written and maybe there was some pretty dynamic abuse going on. Yeah. I think excluding the defense from the second trial yeah. is not. It's not fair. It's not fair. And if they had a, a third trial and they allowed the defense and they were still convicted of first degree murder, then, you know, I think I'm probably okay with that. And I'm not sure these guys should get out. Choose a bench trial.com. Choose a bench trial.com. <laughs> well, well, we're going to be talking about a bench trial next week. Hmm. I don't know if that <laughs> That's a might teaser. not be the best option. Hmm. No. Well, it, we'll it save is, that for next week. It is the best option. <laughs> There's been a lot to pay. We'll save that for next week. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you, you just go back and forth because I do really believe them that they were abused. Lots but of people you, are abused. Yeah, and you lots can't. of people pick up and just leave and go start their lives just like these guys could have restarted their lives elsewhere. They don't just blow away their parents. That's right. That takes a lot. That's not an easy thing to do. Every abuse case is different, Dave, right? 
You're right. Different thoughts on different cases. That's true. Different thoughts on the amount of beers you might have had <laughs> and whiskeys. I'm not saying you personally. I'm picking on all of us. All right. Just saying. I might take Every an extra hit on different. my vape and change my mind on everything. <laughs> well, it could happen. What have these guys been uh, up to in the last 30 years since we heard from them? Well, they've been pushing to get another trial. Yeah. What else are you going to do in prison? Does Lyle yeah. still have a... To pay? No, he's completely bald now. All right, I'm yeah, going to look, look him, him up, up now. I didn't look him up before because I was waiting. <laughs> they both... Eh. Eric aged pretty well. Yeah. Lyle looks did. like a psychopath, a bald, <laughs> a bald psychopath. <laughs> they they both got married, so... Oh, that's that. nice. Mm. No conjugal visits, though. People with life sentences are not eligible for conjugals in, uh, in California. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not great. <laughs> Looks like a guy who might kill his parents. <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm seeing him now. What is it? Oh, let me see Eric now. Eric and uh, his wife Tammy wrote a book together. Oh, yeah. What? He got married. They both got married. Yeah, they're both married while in prison. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even listening. I was talking. Like, <laughs> Googling. Yeah, sorry, I missed that. <laughs> Eric and Tammy's book is titled They Said We'd Never Make It. I think she wrote the book and he was like a help for or something. Yeah. <laughs> I found on Amazon the hardcover version. Mm-hmm. $127. Oh wow. Declan, give my Amazon account. <laughs> Why is it so much money? It's like like four people printed yeah, it. Probably, yeah, they probably printed 250 copies of mm-hmm. it. Is it worth it to buy? No. <laughs> no you don't want to know what some kook that marries eric and uh what was the quote i read like something like it's not easy not having sex but i'm okay with it okay oh, that sounds <laughs> okay statement. honey when sure. you're in love you're in love pal. yeah sure you can't help who you love sounds great you can't help who you love no that's true what are your thoughts on uh i know we've discussed it but i don't remember uh Gypsy's husband, right? Yeah. Did they, did they get married while she was still in prison? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the wrestling fan. He is a wrestling Big fan. Big wrestling fan. She's been all over the wrestling news. Yeah. Mm. What, so what are your thoughts on him if you wrote a book, Dave? No good? If he wrote a book? Yeah. Might be interesting. I don't know. Oh, but hers is no good? Eric, Men- Eric uh, Menendez's wife's... Trying to catch name? me in traps here? No, I'm just asking why Why it's different. I don't know. What, what about Would him? I read Gypsy Rose's husband's book? Of, of course not. <laughs> uh, no, I the would not. The man can't even spell. <laughs> He's got a Brett the Hitman heart license plate. <laughs> no. I, I also saw uh, a debate out there about the gender being reversed if they were female instead of male if we would believe their abuse if if, if a dad sexually abused two daughters right that was the big that was the biggest thing with the male jurors is as far as the like the homosexuality angle of of that not i hate to even say that because it's pedophilia but sure. the male on male thing yeah. that a son or that a father would sexually abuse their son. They just refused to believe that that was even a thing. No, well, you know, it's not even you saying it. That's if that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, that was their thoughts. Again, most people aren't smart enough to be jurors. And then you know, yeah. <laughs> we say benchtrial.com. <laughs> <laughs> we, we gotta start buying all these websites up. There's it's a, just like one photo of us, like 
Shut up. <laughs> Bench trial. Don't talk to police without your attorney. Close your blinds. <laughs> just photos of us saying that. Like like one of those like Valentines. Like just us like pointing like That's not a bad idea. <laughs> I I I think just how you're conditioned that yeah, you have a softer side for girls. Right or wrong? No, I'm, I'm, it's not right. But I think, that's and this was also thirty years ago too. When yeah. you know, society has progressed. It I was, hope so. It was different well, back then. A little bit. There's been some changes. Some People changes, have opened sure. up. That, that's true. A bit. I, I feel bad. Like I feel like I haven't given a definitive answer on my thoughts. I don't think but there is one. It's this one's really tough because of the most recent updates. Here's another one. If they were dirt poor and lived in a trailer, would they have done this? Or would they just left? Because there's no financial incentive. And mm-hmm. I think that's a major part of this. The fact that they deleted every mention of the word will off of the computer is yeah. fucking absurd. But that was Lyle that did that. Yeah. I really, somebody will call me out that I'm like a sucker for Eric, whatever. But I think that Lyle was behind 95% of this whole thing. That's probably right. If not, if not right. the whole thing, yeah. and Eric just tagged along for it. I think that's very, it's plausible. I mean, Lyle was the one that hired the computer guy to do that. Eric was clearly distraught. Yeah, I'm trying. It wasn't like, his plan. Eric didn't lead the way on anything illegal. Right? No. It was all just kind of following Lyle's lead. Yeah, and Lyle then Eric, had the and fake then Eric confessed. And, mm. and then Eric confessed because of the guilt yeah. so i'm just saying i don't think you're out on left field on that moral of lyle's story is that he should have fucking kept an eye on eric and kept eric by his side and not just <clears throat> ditched him in california and went and bought mr buffaloes that's right hmm. probably be walking free today watch your alibi.com <laughs> <laughs> all right anything else on this one no i don't i don't really have anything else to say on this well I'll keep an eye on it. Three good parts. If they get a new trial, they get a new trial. I don't Mm. think that that's going to happen, but... That'll certainly be a necro overtime. It certainly would be. If they get a new trial and get manslaughter convictions and get out with time served, I I don't know. It's not the worst. People have done far worse and served far less time, so it'll be the worst thing in the world, I guess. I would just say if anybody's interested in um, more on this to grab Robert Rand's book... And there's other books, too. There's been a, a lot of books written about this case. It's huge. Mm. We could do a whole bonus episode on Dr. Ozeal and Judalon Smith's saga. Did you say that earlier? Or? No, I didn't. No, you, you saved that one? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like an interesting little tidbit. Yeah, there, there, there's a ton to this story. but Oh, it's good, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Can't wait to, for everyone to uh, <laughs> come back at us with their opinions and how wrong we are. There's no right opinion. Oh, you do say this. Uh, I'm so upset. I think there's a strong contingent of people that think that they eat a lot of prison. Is there? Is that what it, the the what is the I popular? Think there's a group. I don't know thing. if there's a popular opinion. I both ways. I Let out of prison ways. because they've served enough time, <laughs> or because they are innocent, or. I don't that know. they were I'm really. Just, I mean, I'm not. Cha- I'm just asking. A little bit I don't of know. all of the above, probably. Yeah. yeah. That maybe that second trial was not uh, completely fair. It was. It it wasn't fair. I don't know how you can throw that out. 
I mean, that's the main thing. Regardless yeah. of your guilt or innocence, if you don't get a fair trial, then you shouldn't be in jail, whether you did it or I, not. I hundred like, percent agree with that. I do not think they should be out of jail in general, but I don't think that second trial that second trial did not seem to be very fair. It there's not enough. It's not a crime of passion. It's not like it's not like when the toupee got ripped off Lyle's head that they went outside and were like, you know, spilled the beans to each other about the sexual assault. And then they just went and fucking killed both of them. That's right. That day. That's a crime of passion. You're right. They used to fake ID, drove to San Diego where no one would find them and bought shotguns. Right. That's premeditated murder. Because the toupee incident happened the week before. Right. So they sat on that. Yep. For a week. And planned it. Mm. That's still such a crazy visual. Eric looking up to Lyle for all those years and then Kitty just ripping that fucking toupee off his head in front of him. Did you look up David Spade, uh, Tommy Boy in the Yeah, in the brain and now it makes sense. But like at the time I was like, I don't, because that was not what I was expecting you guys to say. Yeah. Fuck. That was definitely worth a three-week payoff, <laughs> in my opinion. Other people, probably not, but I legitimately didn't know. I think people always think I'm bullshitting when I say I don't know these stories. I really don't. I am learning them as we go through this, and I just read the notes Ian sends us. What do we got on uh, the old Patreon? Thank you to new patrons and Miles Golson, Matt Shep. Cucks down under. Fuck those chlamydia bear cunts. Sounds Australian. (laughs) That's Australian stuff going on there. I don't think I want to fuck chlamydia bear cunts. Amira, Meggles, James Clover, Matthew Coulter, Nimmers, Michaela Powell, Danielle, the only Tana I know, Rob Herrera, Nick Green, Mike sucks dicks to get chicks. Yeah, no. Mike says no, sir. Chicks' no. husband suck my dick to get me to <laughs> fuck their chicks. Thank you for the clarification. That guy has got is he's dyslexic. Okay. That's what it is. He's got dyslexic. It. Becky Truk, Ziggy Haim, Ian's monster dong. That's a new patron. Look at that. <laughs> Kit Krug, Brittany Frady. The Earth is flat. NICAP is the best. Pineapple goes on pizza. NASCAR sucks. And Casey Anthony is mid. It's a lot of wrong statements Mm. there, huh? (laughs) Thanks for the money. You've just been deleted from Patreon. (laughs) Appreciate that month, though, pal. (laughs) Robert Yanachko, Evdog17, Willie B. Hardigan, Jenny, H.M. Redden. (laughs) Did you get that one? Willie B. Hardigan. Okay. All right. Nothing gets past Dave. I shouldn't have questioned that. H.M. <laughs> Redden, Frank Rousey, Melissa B., Gabby, Cecil Evans, Reno Babe, Casey Van Buren, Nightmare Barbie, and Nolan McElroy. Thank you, new patrons. Ian, what do you got on your end? For iTunes, I just have one for uh, Mark versus Food. He left an updated review. That guy. I forgot about that guy. Yeah. What's that guy doing? In all fairness, he's very forgettable. <laughs> is that wife still with him or does he finally get smart and divorce him? I don't know. She probably left his ass a long time ago. He married way above his pay grade. <laughs> that guy. Remember that guy? Barely. <laughs> it's the guy who leaves uh 
two star reviews, yeah, right? Star, On shows he loves. Yeah, two star Mark. Hmm. With a two star cock. <laughs> Stask his wife. Five star wife, two star cock, <laughs> one star personality. <laughs> Thanks for the review, Mark. All right. I got, got a couple else? international ones. What? First, first time in a long time. Wow. Here we go. Uh, thank you for the uh, kind reviews. Penny Antwise from Australia and Ronan Brendan also from Australia. Oh, you How weren't kidding. When you, you were exact when you said a couple. Couple. Yeah. yeah. Some people go a little liberal with that couple. It means a pair. That's what it means. You you were very to the definition. Good also, for you. I also have a shout out. We got a nice box in the mail uh, from Regina Ebner. She's from Maine. And it was a box of Maine, all kinds of stuff from Maine. Some beef jerky. What else was in there? Some of that marshmallow fluff. Ian was pretty excited about the fluff. Yeah. All kinds of stuff in there. So thank you very much. I'll be honest. Very cool. I had that entire bag of beef jerky. I offered you guys some. You guys <laughs> just were not hungry at the time. So I said, well, I'm going to eat this whole fucking thing. I was going to have some after the show. Yeah, it's oh, gone. It's all gone now. Huh? Yeah, it's huh. gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very tasty. Maybe the saltiest beef jerky I've ever had in my life. Yeah. But I, I prefer I like that salty. It was good stuff. Right. I liked it. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Who sent it? Did you say Regina? Thank you, Regina. I might call that marshmallow fluff. There you go. Throw that on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. There you go. It's all you, pal. I had my fill. I took the jerky, so it's all you. <laughs> there was like an orange soda in there. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. A whole taste of Maine. Taste of Maine. No lobster though. You've been to Maine, right? You did I one have. of those New England cruises. I was cruises. there a couple months ago. I want to go to Maine. New England in general. I want to go in the fall. Maybe take a little driving tour up through Maine or New England. Mostly Maine. Good stuff. I think that'd be fun. Have some lobster rolls, of course. Mm. Everywhere. I had you several. Still, yeah. You have to, right? You got to try you them all. You have to. What's that? Uh, have you guys had that food truck that comes out here? The lobster rolls? No. Mm. Is it good? Do you know what I'm talking about, though? I do. Wicked that, Lobster? Yeah. All right. I have not had them, so I'm okay. just asking if they were good. It's expensive. It's pricey. Have just not. didn't know if it was... The juice was worth the squeeze, mm. as they say in the streets. <laughs> as they say on the streets. Is the juice worth the squeeze? I have no information to provide yeah. on I there. don't either. I've only had, like, two lobster rolls in my life. Mm. I recommend them. Delicious, but, you know. All right. We good? Anything else? Nope. I have nothing else. One of the to longest say. shows we've ever done, probably. Yeah, I think so. By the time the editing right. is done. Yeah, we'll see. Because there's not oh. been a lot of pauses. Mm-mm. Very, very definitive, though. A lot of fuckery. <laughs> <laughs> Must keep fuckery. <laughs> no, that's. <laughs> I hate that so much. <laughs> <laughs> is he falling down a hole? Yeah, what is like happening? It, right? It's goofy falling. (laughs) Hopefully he fell into a dark abyss and is just there forever. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod, patreon.com slash Necronomapod for all of our bonus content, Necronomapod.com and Amazon.com. Search Necronomapod for all of our merch. All right, you guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>